0: Hey, bubblers, and welcome to my streaming bubble. It's the podcast where I talk about the shows that I love with the people I tolerate. I'm your host, Jen, and back in the bubble is fellow Doom Patroller Eric, and we will be chatting about season three of Doom Patrol. Doom to doom, doom, doom. How's it going? (laughs) How's it going? That was my GER impression from Invader Zim. So
1: you're going to sing the Doom song now?
0: You're welcome. Yeah. Doom, isn't that it? Just doom to doom, doom, doom. (laughs) I love everybody. that show. So we are, we're gonna just get right into it and hit up the hastily shortened season two finale and setting the groundwork for season three, mm-hmm. um, where we find the patrol trying to figure themselves out without Niles. And then shit gets wibbly wobbly. We're introduced to two hoods, the sisterhood of Dada and the brotherhood of evil. And the wear butts are back.
2: Wear butts. Wear
0: butts. And zombie patrol. I loved that. That was that might be my favorite episode of the season. So Eric, we'll start with the kind of wrapping up of the shortened season two. So as we know, season two was cut short because of fucking COVID. Oh, and spoilers! 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 And so season three wraps up those storylines and starts planting the seeds for season three with um the introduction of Laura DeMille Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Madame Rouge played by the amazing Michelle Gomez Mm
2: -hmm. so
0: I want to know what your thoughts are on the what I felt was understandably rushed ending to season two
1: so it was a very so I basically both times that I watched this season I had to go into it in this with well the first time I went into it I went into it with mindset, okay we're in season three now you know and after I got done watching the first episode the first time it did feel a little strange to me just because I really did not feel like I was picking up at the beginning of season three I still feel like I was at the end of season two so I really had to wrap my wrap my head around that and just kind of accept that this is the start of the new season we're just kind of picking up with the last season left off but the way that the story was continuing really continued and and that and that's that story ended as if it really was a season two finale so the second time around i just went into it thinking you know what i'm just going to take this as the season two finale and with episode two i'm going to take that as episode one of season three basically um i don't know if i felt it was rushed totally rushed the first half of it, I would say the whole first act of it of the last season was really just kind of them trying to, you know, kind of wrap up the whole thing with Niles dying. You know the story, you know the story between
2: Dorothy and the Candlemaker.
1: Um, I felt like that actually got a little rushed because there was no confrontation there. We were I was expecting a bigger battle I mm-hmm. guess you know mm-hmm. a fight for humanity you know we, where Dorothy fights for humanity Candlemaker wants to kill us all and there were really, we really didn't get much of that Mm-mm.
0: we didn't get any of that
1: no not at all I mean I feel like the resolution that we came to was what was going to happen anyways really? you know where I do I think Dorothy was going to it was going to make peace with the, with the Candlemaker I really feel like that was going to be the intent the entire time but I really feel like there was a lot of the middle that was cut out. Right. You know, she got, she got, she got grabbed. Now we're in this, we're back in the woods. She's in a cage, you know, she fires the arrow. But then after that, they're on the, they're back on like the moon or whatever planet they were on. And it's just like, it's peace talks. And like, I, oh, I understand why they went there. I just feel like there was nothing epic about it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it just felt like, it felt like it just had to end is kind of what I was getting at. We yeah. have to end this story so we can move on with the show, which I yeah. guess from a, you know, from a show writer standpoint, maybe that makes sense. But And plus also coming off of COVID and having to just kind of move on with the series. But I don't know. I just, I wasn't disappointed with it. I wasn't. I wasn't. I didn't feel like we got a bad ending. I just didn't. I don't feel like we got a complete end mm-hmm. to that part of the story. Because mm-hmm. Dorothy played an extremely pivotal role in season two. And I feel like it just, we just didn't see any justice done for her story, or even Niles, as much as we say, fuck Niles. I still feel like Niles, I mean, Niles' send off was okay, I guess. Um, but for, <laughs> Dorothy, for Dorothy herself, I just feel like the character maybe deserved a little better than what she got for what should have been her finale from what was season two before she returned a couple episodes later in what would be season three to help out Larry find the gang. But we'll get, we'll, we'll talk about that.
0: <laughs> See, I was, I, I figured that they were gonna just do what they can to try and wrap up season two as quickly as they could within this episode and start laying the groundwork for season three. So I, I wasn't, I understood, but it felt, it, it didn't feel satisfying. To me because right. you know, she whisks them away to you know whatever the North Pole or someplace where basically she's like she basically is gonna put her and Candlemaker in a timeout until they can get along.
1: Pretty much That's, that yeah. was it, and That's pretty much
0: it. At one point, there's I don't remember who said it, but someone was said, fuck destiny. And I wrote that he, that equates to basically fuck what was originally planned for the season two finale. So, they, their end goal may have been to have Dorothy basically play nice, you know, force the Candlemaker to play nice. But, like you said, we missed that whole big chunk of it. So, yeah. when they all of a sudden showed up after, as the gang is melting from their wax coverings and everything, she does seem older, more mature. She's got a different hairstyle. Her and Candlemaker are getting along now. And it's like, yeah, we missed that whole big fucking chunk because I thought we were going to get some sort of confrontation, maybe not a battle, but something that would have felt like a nice payoff.
1: Right. But again,
0: I completely understand because of COVID and having to wrap up those storylines that wasn't Mm. planned to be a cliffhanger like it ended up being. So I'm I. I'm not going to judge too harshly on how those storylines were wrapped up because then we also get kind of the quote resolution to the Jane and Miranda Kay in the underground
1: which actually I thought was probably one of the best parts of that episode I really did enjoy I really enjoyed the way that they they kind of wrapped up that part of Kay's story especially when um Jane thinks she's trapped in the underground and mm-hmm. then Kay brings her to the plane. And then we see basically the personas versus, air quotes, Miranda. Because we learned she's not really Miranda.
0: And she's not daddy either. She,
1: she's just a manif- manifestation of all of her worst thoughts and fears. Yeah, basically what she is. And it's all the personalities versus her. And she is strong. I mean, she was putting up... She, She was pushing a lot of resistance against them.
0: Well, and of course she's strong. She's all the darkness and fear and sadness within Kay. And Kay's got so much that her mind shattered into 64 people. (laughs) So yeah, it's going to be strong and power. I completely agree. And then the way she got all big.
1: Yeah. She manifested into like a giant version of her father. Uh, But then I think there was something really telling about Jane being able to fly the plane right through him. Mm Mm-hmm you know i you know i feel like there were there there was a real deep message there they are not just this made up of the of this uh uh this broken past that they have you know they're 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 not getting past it i guess but they're not going to let it def- define the rest of their lives you know and let them ruin who they are
0: and i kind of saw it especially with the way the j and k's jane and Kay's storyline went for the season, what we know afterwards is that this really shows that K is ready to, conf- to, to confront some yeah. of that. And, and yeah. we do see K we, we see K yeah. in, in this season, she goes upstairs
2: mm-hmm. or
0: up, whatever, however it's referred to. And she goes, out yeah. and buys yeah. shoes. and that was, that was a really, I liked that moment for her too. But I did yeah, too. looking back, it's like, this, this definitely made sense, I thought. And like you said, with Jane flying the plane through the big manifestation of the puzzle pieces of the dad shows they're ready for this confrontation and kind of take some control back uh, of the body and the mind and, and of Jane Kay's life.
1: Yeah, sure. And, you know, going back to Dorothy really quick, but also staying on the subject of Jane, um, you know, one thing I really liked about this the end of this season is Dorothy's respect for Dorothy's respect for Jane Mm -hmm. and how she refused to let Niles be cremated or buried, uh, buried, I guess, um, until Jane woke up. Yep. You know, it just shows the level of respect that those characters had for each other. And even though, you know, not everybody was really Niles' biggest fan, Niles did have, was the closest thing to a father that Jane ever really had and Later on in this season, we kind of see how Niall's death really affects her.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, from creating like the fake, you know, like stuffed version of him in the uh, in the wheelchair, and just like the way she breaks down crying after she finally gets to kind of say her goodbye, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, you know, I feel like season two, that for this being what I consider to be the season two, actual season two finale, mm-hmm. I feel like for. Jane it and Kay and that group it was a good wrapping to their story I really felt like it was
0: I agree I I did like this for Jane and I did I agree with you I did like how uh Dorothy was wasn't going to allow anyone to do anything with Niles's body mm-hmm. until Jane woke up yeah and she even has Dorothy even has that little moment with unconscious Jane where she kind of she apologizes she apologizes mm-hmm. to Baby Doll and the mm-hmm. couple other personas that yeah. Candlemaker ended up hurting, quote, yeah. killing or whatever. And right. I, I really like that. And I do like kind of the more mature Dorothy that we got in a later episode. Cause I was like, oh, thank God. She finally got to go out and experience the world away from off of Niles's leash. And she's, She's fine. <laughs> she's
2: she's a Dorothy better is,
0: person now.
2: <laughs> Dorothy, I think that's annoying. Goes, I
1: actually really think it goes back to season two when Dorothy had her first period and she had that interaction with the woman in the uh, gas station, truck stop, whatever it was, and just to see the kindness of humanity. And she was never really exposed to that. And mm-hmm. I think that was the moment that kind of opened her up to knowing that the world's not full of terrors. Yeah, you know there are good things, good people out there. You know, and I agree with you, you know, we do see a more mature Dorothy, especially when she returns a couple episodes later. It's just, uh, I feel like I I really wish we did, we we got a little more of Dorothy in season three. I kind of understand why we didn't. I do. Um, But maybe we'll get more of her in season four. Uh, but I'm glad we got what we got because we got to see this Dorothy who was more ask, asking more questions you know she was more curious and she wasn't just re- asking you know her father these questions mm-hmm. we would just give her some bullshit answers just to tell her what he wants right here she was at she was talking to uh oh oh my gosh I can't think of her name she was with uh the the detective squad
0: oh the the dead boy detectives crystal
1: crystal yeah when her and crystal are sitting there and they're just kind of like you know, she's like, I don't have experience with boys, you know, what can mm-hmm. you tell me? You know, just trying to get a better sense of how these things work in life. Well, you know? she even,
0: Dorothy even said to Crystal at one point, and I, I, appre- I loved her honesty and kind of opening up to essentially a stranger that yeah. she's never been around teenage girls, like other teenage girls. So she yeah, doesn't know true. how to be a teenage girl, That's true, let yeah. alone other teenagers, but what I really liked was when she did come back and Larry's falling apart. <laughs> Fucking God bless Larry. I love Larry so, so much.
1: Yeah. But Dorothy... I got some things to say about Larry from this season, though. Let me tell you. <laughs>
0: so Dorothy comes back and Larry's having like a breakdown. And Dorothy, she's she gets in, she goes into like the take charge mode. Yeah. So through Danny they find, they get in contact with the dead boy detective agency and Charles, was it Charles or Edwin? Ch- Charles oh. was, or who played, who did Ty Tennant play? It was Charles.
1: Oh, which one's Ty Tennant? I'm sorry. The blonde which one? Let's oh, see the blonde one? He's Charles, yeah. that's Charles. Okay, yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, so she, so through Danny, so she basically is calling the shots. And with Danny's help recruits, the dead boy detectives and crystal to detective agency to come and help them retrieve the gang from the underworld or not the, whatever. (laughs) So I really appreciate it because, you know, last season, understandably, she's so timid and scared and she doesn't know anything. And she's been literally sheltered in the basement of Danny Mm -hmm. for hundreds, like a hundred years.
1: Yeah. Something like that.
0: So just in this short time, and again, I think that's a lot of what we missed with finishing her storyline with Candlemaker was this maturity, this take chargeness.
2: Right. I think right. if
0: we'd have gotten more time, if that we had a full season two, we would have seen, I think maybe more of that to show her growth and um, kind of leadership, her budding leadership roles. right. So right. we and- still we still see that she's a scared, somewhat insecure you know, quote teenager,
1: but she's learning, but you she's know?
0: learning and she's adapting and she's accepting things very well and quickly. So yeah. I, I really liked Dorothy, like you, I think we could have, I would have liked to have seen more of her. I was actually kind of sad that, that she left with the dead boy detectives and yeah. on Danny. But yeah. and they never really. She just said that she had to go find a few things, but it's never specified what it is. So we just are left to assume, like herself, essentially, right?
1: And I do love the fact that you know, yeah. Even though we really didn't get much of her this, you know, this season, I feel like the writers left it open, knowing that she is going to be coming back. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. And I feel like maybe the what we won't talk about how this how the season three ended yet, but I do feel like with the way season three ended that it could lead up to someone like her coming back in to try to help jog their memories or something like that. Sure, sure.
0: What did you think? And I don't want to spend too much time on it because I know we've got a lot to say on season three, but so we'll just real hit quick. We'll real quick hit our remaining patrollers. So, (laughs) all right. All right. So Cyborg.
1: Cyborg. Well, I feel like Cyborg... I don't know if Cyborg really had the best wrap up in season two. Personally, he had a lot to do it, a lot going on with him in season three. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, but it's like a, it, it's he's still but, kind of coming to terms with basically like his dad's decision to save him and make him Cyborg plus right. the, the Ronnie storyline yeah he he's got to to wrap away. all that
1: up too and he's he you know he we see how much he still really cares for ronnie even in this episode you know he gives her that heads up you know that you know she's got to get out of that building she's gonna get caught and she you know she takes him up on that and then uh, he's listening on like the computer or the uh, uh uh police scans and things finding out that she's gotten away because she must have gotten tipped off you mm-hmm. know about that and and that's great i thought that i thought that was really good but um I just feel like on for Cyborg personally, his story just kind of ended. Yeah. Not a lot with not a lot of resolution, but there really wasn't a lot. I feel like there had to be a lot of resolution to his story for season two because season two really didn't primarily focus on Cyborg Cyborg as much as it did on a couple of the other characters. But season three, though, was a big opening for him. And a lot, a, a lot has changed for Cyborg going forward, which mm-hmm. we'll go over in a little bit. So mm-hmm. But for season two, personally, I just don't feel like there was a lot there for the end of his story for that season. Sure. Sure. Fair
0: enough. Yeah. I, I'm, I mostly agree. I, yeah, because season two wasn't, Cyborg has more coming to him. So that's right. So yeah, um, so that's, that's, that was fine. I, a little disappointed, but not maybe as much so as like with the, the Dorothy, since that ended season two ended with that. But
1: right, exactly, exactly. That was like the big thing, I think, for the end of season two.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but you mentioned uh, Larry. 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 Oh, we love
0: Larry. My Larry, we? the sexiest man in raps. I swear to God. <laughs> the
1: sexiest man in raps. Oh, I love it. Oh, I love that. That's good. That's so, good. He is the sexiest man.
0: He is. A, it's that's all, Matt Boomer, man.
1: Man, that is. He's a good-looking guy. Matt, if you're ever listening to this, I want to meet you.
0: Yeah. Matt Boomer, we love you. (laughs) We love Larry.
1: Absolutely. Um, But yeah, Larry... Now, Larry, opposite of Cyborg, I felt like found... Was beginning at the end of the season to kind of find peace with the spirit. Mm -hmm. We learned that Larry, for this one episode, he has to go. Mm
2: -hmm. He
1: has to leave Doom Manor. He has to essentially figure out the relationship he's having with him in the spirit he has to find himself you know it's all about larry's just a transitional period for him in his life Mm -hmm. starting to more accept who he is and more importantly try to forgive himself and love himself but he's got to take this journey with the spirit to be able to start that path which we actually see in season three he starts to go through but you know we see him in the spirit they just fly away, you know, Mm -hmm. out into the confines of space, you know, and it was really nice for Larry to have an ending for the season like that, because he had, before he left, he had a very emotional conversation with Rita, who's basically, you know, his best friend in the house. Mm -hmm. I Um, love their
0: relationship. I love those two together.
1: It's like the way I, I picture Rita and Larry, it's like how you, you would see siblings that grew up close together. You know, absolutely. they're like brother and sister, you know, yeah. I didn't get along well with my sister, but you know, that's a different, that's a whole different story. <laughs> um, but I, I, have seen these type of relationships and that's how I see them. They're just like, they're, I, I, I have absolutely, there's no sexual tension between them. And I love that that is the case because well, I mean, he's gay a lot himself. of shows will try and a lot of shows will try to write in that sexual tension between, yes. you know, a female and a male character who are yes. just, you know, friends. But mm-hmm. they are just friends.
2: They are, you know, are. they
1: and they rely on one another, and they they take each other's, you know, words into consideration, and they love each other. But Rita had a hard time grasping with the fact that Larry had to leave because Rita was going through some shit with her uh, on her own, mm-hmm. um, especially with the local theater um, at that time. But Larry convinced her, or I don't even know if "convince" is the right word. He just he 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 had her see it from his point of view, and she came to understanding and accepted that he had to go and find himself. And mm-hmm. I thought it was a very suiting ending for him. And it really comes in to fruition a lot more in the next season.
0: Yep, I, I agree. Cause yeah, season two, we saw Larry really kind of struggling with negative spirit and coexisting with the negative spirit until he has that encounter with the uh, Russian female astronaut. And the, and the two guys playing oh, slap ass,
2: oh, be fun.
0: <laughs> but yeah, she but she basically, she you know, so that was really eye opening yeah. for him and yeah, really helped him see that it is possible. And now he's kind of got a bit more confidence in that he's willing to actually give it a shot, give it a chance. Yeah, so, exactly. this ending completely worked. Flying off, just once he was once Rita basically gave her blessing, was like, I'll be fine, you go do you. Yeah, he, he like looks down to negative spirit and he's like, all right, buddy, are you right? Whoa. And it just like, yeah. just,
1: and you know what, it, it may, it may not seem like a major line to probably most people or probably a standout moment in my opinion for other people. But for me, for me, there was a moment in that, that conversation between him and Rita that brought me back to the uh, one of the final episodes of Sabrina, basically when the sisters all were reunited for just that moment. And then, she realizes that she killed her that you know she killed her sister it's not quite like that but it's the the emotion that I got from this moment mm-hmm. the season that reminded me of that but when her when when Larry and Rita are having their conversation before he flies off he just looks at her and it's such a funny line but it's such an emotional moment where he just looks at her and he's like will you please remember to water my plants and she's like and she's crying but she's like probably not
2: yeah and
1: it's just <laughs> I don't know why that hit me it hit me just as hard as it did in that when I saw that that part of Sabrina because I was like that's a true human answer yeah there's so much love behind that response and you could tell Rita's super emotional about this but she's being honest with him she can
2: never lie to him
0: that's right it's it's just the pure honesty and the acceptance and the respect and uh, just another kind of way to solidify that their relationship is the best
2: yeah i love besties, I mean, dude
0: i love and don't get me at wrong, least for now <laughs> don't get me wrong i love like jane and 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 cliff kind of together yeah. and their little bit back and forth relationship but my yeah. favorite out of the ser- out of the series is larry and rita
1: absolutely i have Most to agree with larry wholeheartedly yeah
0: mostly um, because of larry <laughs>
1: But Yeah, that's all I gotta say about Larry and uh, good. And, his, and uh his story season.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. So all right, on to Cliffy. Cliff. So oh he's getting so really he's his body's malfunctioning, he's mad as fuck at Niles. Yeah. Side note, I love that the theme of this season, or at least the first several episodes, is basically fuck Niles, fuck Calder, Niles Calder. Did yep. I not call that?
2: you did
1: (laughs) you totally did too but he deserved it
0: he totally did because fuck him so we see cliff he's still very angry you know Mm -hmm. he and he's trying angry with niles and trying to work out some sort of relationship with his daughter and it all comes around and everything but his body's like malfunctioning he's freezes up kind of gets the shakes yeah and then we later find out that it's likely Parkinson's (laughs) it's it's just assumed because he took some online shit like
2: oh my gosh (laughs)
0: WebMD fucking shit so it's just we, we just assume that it's Parkinson's I guess at this point but what did you think of our robot man Cliff
1: so Cliff I thought had a pretty good ending to his story as well not the greatest in my opinion um not as good as Larry's not as bad as Simon um, I felt like his was kind of like a mediocre ending to a season two story. What I did like is, even though there was no forgiveness for what what Niles did to him, I did like the conversation that Niles' ghost and Cliff had in the lab, because uh-huh. and I thought it was I thought it was a conversation Cliff needed to have because he was still all about fuck you, you ruined my life. How you know I, I'm not going to help burn your body and make you at peace, and he didn't. Cliff doesn't owe Niles anything.
2: Mm-mm. but what i
1: did like is the maybe not sense of forgiveness but sense that he of appreciation that cliff had when niles admitted that he sent clara the tape yeah so yeah. clara knew the truth of what happened to her father. yep and he didn't forgive niles but i really do believe that cliff i would wholeheartedly appreciate appreciated you know that honesty from niles so even though he still hates him a part of cliff can not completely hate him. You know, yeah. not with every t- titanium inch of his body. But, you know, like you said, you know, we find out with Cliff that, you know, he's getting the shakes and uh, there's concern about his his mental health. Obviously, you know, his brain's not functioning the way that it should be. And, um, you know, that plays out completely. It's a, like the, his biggest part of his story in season three. But, you know, for, and if this had been the original season two finale, which, you know, we kind of view it as, I think we would have been left on the off season wondering, you know, is robot man going to die, you know, or is it, you know, is he just going to completely shut down? What is going on with him? But, you know, we didn't have any time in between the process, you know, those theories and we just jumped right into it with kind of going into the next episode. But, you know, I was very happy that he was happy about being a grandfather. He was super excited about that little Rory. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's fantastic. I feel like that was a little bit of peace that he needed, happiness that he deserved. And, you know, I was very happy for Cliff in, in that sense. Uh, but I, I, I guess I just feel in the end, his, the ending of his story was just kind of no more than what I just said. Yeah. He came at a little bit of peace with Niles just because Niles did him a solid. He's a grandfather. Now he's having potential health issues. The end, basically. Yep. It's, you know, and there's really not much more to say other than that, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's I mean, that's literally it.
1: <laughs>
2: that was it literally it, it, it.
1: That that I mean it, it I, I wish I could I, I really wish like with Larry's Larry's ending that I could, you know, express more about that, you know, and what it means. But it's just that all of that ends up coming back around in season three. Mm-hmm. But again, we had no time to process what was happening in that first episode. So you know, we got our answers pretty much the next episode, With at least with Larry. The whole thing with Larry stretched out literally to the very last episode of the season. Yeah. So we had time to progress with Larry into where he ended on season two to where he ended on season. Three. Mm-hmm. Um, now that doesn't mean that Cliff's story didn't progress throughout season three with his, with his uh, Parkinson's and everything going on with him. It, he had a hell of a story in season three, but I kind of wish we would have just gotten a little more, just like Cyborg, I wish we would have gotten just a little more with Cliff in that episode so we can go into season three fresh. Sure,
2: sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, Cliff's Cliff. And it's kind of like, what kind of, like, other than him being angry at Niles and essentially, like, his life, what else, what other kind of conflicts is a brain and a robot body gonna have? So yeah, right, right. give him a, a brain related disease where now we see that manifest in a robot body. So I, I did like kind of that, I guess. Sure. But yeah, I would agree. It shows he's still vulnerable re- physically. Yeah. yeah. You know? And then he gets high yeah. in season three again. And I, I love, Oh, I, I love it. He
1: always deserves it. I feel like he I, always love deserves <laughs> it. I do too. I do too. Well, I think that just leads us then into Rita.
0: Into lovely Rita. So we're, we're kind of left with Rita in she's, she probably feels maybe most lost without Niles, uh, Jane, Jane as well, but you know, we see Cliff or we see Larry go off into space with negative spirits. So he's got his journey. Cliff has got his grandkid to focus on Mm
2: -hmm. and
0: Rita's just kind of left with like, now what the fuck?
1: Yeah. You know, Rita's always been super reliant on Niles because she's never exactly. known what to do next.
0: Exactly. And, he and every time she charge. tries to
1: take charge and whenever she tries to take charge herself, it doesn't necessarily backfire. It just doesn't work out the way that she thought it was going to. She mm-hmm. always still ends up right back to where she was.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, I think that just has a lot to do with maybe her expectations of herself, Rita Fa, and Rita being Faw. to excel and in, in, in things. But yeah so i i felt like she was probably the most lost and had the hardest time kind of transitioning without niles into a life without niles around and in that we get the introduction to madame rouge right
2: right so
0: because and i bring her up because those two storylines become so intertwined throughout this well i find
1: you know what I find hilarious is you and I for the last two seasons have been talking about how Rita has not had the greatest character development. Mm-hmm. And the last, the end of the last recording we did, um, we and before season three was released, we were both saying that we really hope that for this next season we can see Rita's story finally progress and bust out of its shell. Holy fuck! Did it ever? I mm-hmm. mean, it did it in a massive way. She was the primary focus in season three. Yes, and I didn't. I mean, I didn't expect that. I didn't expect her to be the center of attention almost throughout the entire season, which I'm very happy she was. But we'll we'll get back on that in a second. Sorry, I went off there uh, as we're still talking. About season <laughs> that's, two. A, that's
0: all right. That's all right. Because uh, it goes right. And I think to and to interrupt you real quick, I think yeah. in terms of the way our rushed quote rushed the way season two ends. And leads right into season three, all within the same episode. I felt hers was the most seamless.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. I would agree one hundred percent because it basically goes from her being this depressed wreck because of the incident at the theater group, um, mm-hmm. where she started, where they figured out she was the Blob Lady, to her one week later, hearing this alarm in the Manor. Well, first finding that finding the letter,
2: mm-hmm. then.
1: Finding out that Niles left her this great responsibility, you know, to, you know, basically saying, You are the one who is meant to lead these people. Niles knew. That's the thing. Niles always knows. And even though I don't think they fully say it, I'm pretty well sure that Niles was well aware of Rita's experiences and role with the sisterhood of Dada and what she would bring. You know, going forth because he was part of the Bureau of Nor or the Um was it Bureau of Normalcy? Department of Normalcy.
0: Bureau of Normalcy, I think, yeah. Yeah. Well,
2: oh, okay.
1: Um, there's no way he could not have they may not have shown them interacting with each other at all during that time, those time periods, but he had to have known she was there, which is why I think he felt it was she would be the one responsible enough to take on this role as leader, you know. And then mm-hmm. as soon as that alarm goes off and she finds that behind the hidden shelf. She's just like, nope. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know. But he entrusted her with it because I think he knew that she was a leader because of the, the past that she did end up having that we learn about later on. Again, that's just my theory, though. I think that mm-hmm. is purely a fan theory that Niles knew because we never truly see them interacting with each
0: other. I think that's um, a pretty solid theory because, because he's he low. is active in at the bureau when she arrives yeah. there
2: and he's, he's, well he's off of on,
0: yeah oh yeah he knows yeah. and because he's the one that you know wrote that spicy letter about how terrible laura demille is and she'd be kicked yeah, out yeah, and this yeah. and that so he knew he knew what she what laura did and how can you not know what she did without knowing what she did and not knowing that bendy was involved
1: <laughs> wibbly wobbly tiny wimey <stuff>. no <laughs> shit exactly exactly but it, it makes sense so i mean that again that i think it's a good theory to have that that's why he wanted her to be the person that he left in charge of the manor because he knew what she was capable of.
0: i i think it's i think it's pretty solid and who knows maybe if we hadn't If we didn't need to spend time wrapping up season two within season three, maybe we would have gotten another little breadcrumb or a little teaser, kind of more alluding to that theory. Yeah. No, I like it. I like that a lot. So we're gonna go with that. It's it's canon because I say so.
2: (laughs) Canon because
1: because you say so exactly. I know we're getting close to wrapping up our thoughts on that true season two ending. The other only other thing I want to say about it is. Despite how much we really, especially you, are not fans of Niles, I'm glad that even though he plays a very minor, minor role in the next season, like it's really brief, I'm glad we got the wrap-up with Niles that we did. Niles is dead. Niles, I don't know if Niles deserves peace. For everything he's done, he may have come into terms with what he's done and has accepted and forgiven himself. You know, because you could tell there, there was Niles has lived with the guilt for what he's done with these people for decades. You know, and that that does something to your, to you emotionally. And I'm sure he, you know, he was just living with the guilt, but he had, he had to keep doing what he was doing. He, he felt like it was necessary. And but again, I think Niles is just happy now that his role in all this is over. Yeah. You know, now his children, subjects, whatever the fuck you want to call them um victims yeah you know (laughs) yeah they 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 now have to find their way without him Which is good for all of them they need it yeah they can't rely on Niles but I will say for him I'm very very glad we got the bonus scene in the end of the episode where he is about to go and join the sex ghosts because that was absolutely amazing I felt like that was probably a very suiting end for him (laughs) but then that gets totally interrupted by Kipling burying his body and just taking his head off. That was like, that, that, that was just kind of like the icing on the cake right there. Cause Kipling, I'm glad we, I'm glad that he at least had something to do with Nile with Niles in the very end of that season. Cause those two are just hilarious together.
0: Yeah. Um, that, that did seem, seem fitting. So yeah. All right. Now we will get on to season three.
1: Oh, here we go. You guys ready for this? I know we are.
0: <laughs> so, Missy, because it's just Missy, <laughs> it's just the master going around fucking with shit. I'm much. super convinced. <laughs> Michelle Gomez, I love her. She is so much fun to watch. She's got a great accent, amazing hair, and she looks flawless in anything she's wearing.
1: How do you pull that off?
0: I don't know. You just, you're Michelle Gomez. That's it. That's, like, that's how you pull it off. You gotta be Michelle Gomez. You can't be anybody else.
1: Like nobody is that perfect.
0: Right? And I Jesus. know, and, and I know like in the flashbacks when she's part of the sisterhood of Dada and her hair is just so full. Like I know it's that's huge. not all her, but still she makes it work. She worked all that fucking hair and I love her. I'm so glad she joined. The cast this season she mm-hmm. was so much fun to watch
2: mm-hmm. and
0: i just i adore her i think she's hilarious and more people need to profess their love for michelle well, Gomez.
1: look at this man look at michelle gomez's resume just within the last like 10 years mm-hmm. you know and i'm sure she's done projects that i haven't even seen yet but on um, big name projects i mean of course there's doctor who there's sabrina Mm-hmm. now there's doom patrol
2: mm-hmm. i
1: mean she's literally everywhere and in pop culture you know she is just she is beloved by the people by the fans you know oh, she yeah. can look you know they can replace brendan fraser with michelle gomez in the show and it <laughs> would fucking work okay it totally somehow works. it would it would work but yeah i mean i agree she's a very very well fit for this show like when so she came in uh, at the end of season two, when she came up through the time machine, and the girl who was playing Rita in the play ended up falling through uh, 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 through the hole that she ended up digging up in the ground.. Mm-hmm. But just in that opening scene is you know, as eccentric and as flawless as Michelle Gomez is, also how perfect was it that she just dropped trout and just fucking pissed right there in the fucking street. All
0: you I could know? think was there'd be so much splatter.
2: Probably. <laughs> probably they there go that would far be. It <laughs> didn't go
1: that far down. But yeah, probably right.
2: but
0: There's well, going to be a lot of fucking splatter with that much pee. <laughs> it's hilarious.
2: And it's, I love but, that she just
0: wasn't no problem doing it. And why did yeah, she look so perfect doing it? It's Michelle
2: Gomez. I dude.
1: know. So, but what's funny is the first episode of season two. We don't actually get a lot of her, or season three. I'm sorry, we don't get a lot of Michelle Gomez. Not, not, not a lot. Actually, do we really get any at all? Well,
0: just it's pretty much just that, and then she's on a. We just know that she's off to find Niles, and then yes, Yes. and then she eventually makes her way to the to the gang and everything. But she was just that. I don't want to. I hesitate to say like last minute, but she's just that thing at the end of an episode to make you want more and be like okay no this is the new character we all knew she was coming in we all knew who she was going to be playing right so now here she is and but now you got to wait till the next episode to get more of her and have all those and then you got to wait the whole fucking season for all those pieces to come in and right uh get put together and everything
1: it was interesting because really throughout the entire season three she kind of was playing two characters the entire time well actually we're being real technical about it she was playing three Because she had to play the character who forgot. Mm -hmm. She had to play Laura DeMille from 1917 to 1949. Mm -hmm. And then she played Madame Rouge from basically 1949 till she remembered in present day. Mm -hmm. And these are three kind of different personalities that we're working with at once. The one that's trying to remember her past just seems lost and confused, you know?
0: I will add that we get a fourth in the last episode of of the of the season of a men the episodes like a men's patrol or whatever where she goes back just a little bit to forget who she was but she left herself a note that you're a shitty person but you're trying to do better so now we get a redem a redeeming laura demille on the road to redemption
1: and what's funny is like she knew at that moment you know she deserved to die for all the terrible things she's done and as rita is standing there with her hands around her throat literally about to strangle her she looks at her basically says you could kill me but i'm not worth it like i think she's telling rita killing me is not going to bring you the peace you're looking for but if you feel like you need to do it i accept that yeah yeah so i agree with you maybe you you know four personalities then the acceptance you know Mm -hmm. the amends
0: the amends
1: but no she was she was amazing this show she's always amazing um i feel like you and i can Every, every, every time there's a show that she's in and you and I end up doing a recording about it, we spend so much time talking about just
2: her. Um, really
0: and I don't know that we really say anything different other than we love her so much and <laughs> she's so right, great so, in this. <laughs> all
1: right. So, so aside from like, you know, uh, just basically sucking at the tit of uh, Michelle Gomez for, <laughs> for like the next 20 minutes, uh, let, 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 let's actually talk about the character. So, what, let me ask you, what did you think of the character of Laura DeMille and Madame Ruth? Well, I,
0: as much as I love Michelle Gomez, because this isn't my, I I will say it now, this is not my favorite season of doom patrol. Yeah. So keeping that in mind, eh, I don't know. Cause you know, when we're first introduced it's even on a rewatch, it was hard to take notes because I'm like, well, how did this all play out? And it's like, I really had to like pay attention and watch for these things like the little differences between amnesia laura dada laura and madame rouge laura yeah and she did an amazing job portraying all three mindsets all four mindsets but i think it was really sad seeing 1917 like dada demille go from All about the sisterhood of dada and the art and the expression and saving some of these metas and fuck the bureau and labeling weapon not a weapon to just becoming very jaded and when rita calls her out and kind of their confrontation of it's always been about power for you and how you lorded it over us and this and that i don't know if i agree with that I don't know I, I felt like there was some truth to it but I also felt like Rita was speaking more out of anger and vengeance because Rita totally. really gets on like the brain says she's like been flirting with the bad side you know the dark side basically mm-hmm. of, of a villain and so I, I don't know that I, I truly agree with that was Madame Rouge or Laura DeMille's true this intention entire time. Right, all right. along
1: I agree I, I, I totally agree
0: I think she just, I mean, we saw her turn on the dadas. We find out that, yep, she got kicked out of the bureau because of mm-hmm. her Niles. Mm-hmm. And she's just trying to find a place to belong. So then she goes and runs to the Brotherhood of Evil. yeah. And then they're like, yeah, yeah, go do this this mis- mission, which the brain later says was the equivalent of like a grocery run. And she right. fucked that up. So I, in a way, I kind of felt bad for her.
1: Sure, I mean, I th- I mean that sense of belonging, you know. Anybody, yeah, you know, especially she lost her
0: because I think she truly loved the sisterhood of Dada. She loved all of them. She did, and
1: but I think she also maybe, felt threatened by the Bureau too. And I feel like the threat. Well, and I
0: think her way to try and justify and redeem, obviously, you know, she she lost the love that she had with the Dadas. She lost employment and any kind of respect and now she's just maybe trying to find a way to justify her evil actions by running to the nearest villain group. You know, she didn't within all the DC groups, didn't have to be evil? You know what I mean? She could have cuz I don't know. I don't know. I, I I but I don't think she was what Rita said she was.
1: I think Rita was just acting out of anger. Of course, Rita in her health, in her heart though, probably did feel did, truly felt that way absolutely because she she felt absolutely betrayed all of them felt betrayed by by laura and what she did but i feel like laura didn't do what she did without having her reason to do it
0: what do you think her reasons for turning in the dadas were because according to rita it was more power
1: i feel like she was scared
0: Yeah, I think so, too, because she she was so hesitant, even when she was confronted by whatever dude. And he's like, no, no, these are weapons. We're in a big meta war. We need all the help we can get even before she goes in and rats them out. She's like, but they're pacifists.
1: But, you know, that scene kind of confused me too. the interaction she had with with her and the in the bureau agent. It did kind of confuse me because he basically was threatening her and threatening her position at the at the bureau. Which I, I, I don't really, because he, at the beginning of the beginning of that, he said, you know, if, if power or whatever was based on numbers, you'd be right at the top or whatever. Because she, like, he produced so many fucking, like, meta weapons for them in, like, that quarter or whatever the fuck.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Her numbers were looking good. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know.
2: Her
0: productivity was up and. <laughs> That's right.
1: She's employee of the month. But the Bureau wanted all metas. Wants all metas to be weaponized in mm-hmm. some fashion. It doesn't matter how, they just want weapons. That's all they care about. And she has been working since 1917. Was it 1917?
0: That's where we first, that's where That's when yeah, Rita where, enters the game. That's where
1: she enters it. Okay, well, from what but we But she's know,
0: been doing it for God knows how long because she would oh, already right. saved the other dadas.
1: Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So however long she's been doing this, she has, these, the sisterhood, these, specific metas have been like her family,
2: mm-hmm. you
1: know, and she has done everything she could in her power to protect them and to convince the Bureau that, you know, oh, you you don't, they, they're not going to be any good for you in war, um, you know, like you said, they're pacifists, you know, just let them work. And then I think once her position got threatened and with the threatening of her position came the idea that, metas that she's been protecting would no longer be safe because she would be fucking snuffed out and if she's snuffed out who's going to be there to protect the sisterhood from these just evil people Mm -hmm. because you know people people suck yep even back then but especially (laughs) yeah (laughs) but i feel like laura did what she did because she felt like she had to do it to protect them
0: i could absolutely see that even
1: if it meant labeling them as weapons maybe she felt in some way even if i do this if i put that big red stamp on their file i can still find a way to protect them but rita and the sisterhood did not see it that way but the thing is we have to keep in mind what happened in that moment when all that was going on malcolm died Mm -hmm. for those who don't know malcolm it becomes rita's love interest Mm -hmm. during that time when she when she traveled back um and oh i loved malcolm what, what I wish I wish we had a whole episode just dedicated to Malcolm,
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and getting
1: to know him and his story. Yeah, because he was such a cool character. But he died, and that's what that was basically what 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 pushed the big red button for Rita right there. Yep, is because she completely and utterly held her responsible for Malcolm's death, mm-hmm. and it was because of everything that was transpiring in that moment in that scene. So. You can't blame Rita for thinking the way she's thinking because all of this is trans, because all that transpired the way it did. But we're talking about two people who have two completely different point of views of what's going on. So we have to see it from both sides of the story. One who's doing what she has to do, who we think will try to protect her friends. While the other side is those feeling like they're being betrayed by the one person who they thought loved them the most. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You know, their protector.
0: Yeah. Yeah she Rita did not see it as this was an attempt on Laura's behalf to protect the dadas because I think yeah yeah, perhaps there was some intention to say quote save them and that if she didn't label them as weapons who knew what the bureau would then do to them
1: probably would have executed them to be honest
0: exactly and it's kind of like well would you would they rather be dead or experimented on I mean fuck would you rather be dead or experimented on it's Shit, I don't know exactly so they were so the dadas are obviously upset because then they got experimented on and
2: yeah.
0: their abilities being used and manipulated in ways that they would never they're yeah. pacifists yeah so yeah it's I don't know I I, I feel like Laura it was a very it's I love She's Michelle a very Gomez. convoluted
1: character. It's
0: hard to, it's, it's really kind of hard to feel, I think one way or another specific like about Laura DeMille because yeah. yeah, I don't like obviously that she turned in the dadas, but I think you bring up a lot of good points in that maybe deep down, she saw it as a way, one last ditch effort of shitty situation versus shittier situation in terms of trying to save them. So she's trying to save them from a shittier situation by putting them in a shitty situation. And then her choice to go to the Brotherhood of Evil again is just a girl lost, a person lost, kind of wandering the world. You know, she's pissed off her friends, family. She doesn't have even the job that she was very, 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 very good at to fall back on anymore. You know, dishonorable discharge basically from the Bureau. So
1: and you got to wonder, does she, she probably, she only went to the brotherhood of evil because at that point she was being treated as if she was evil. She felt she was made yeah, to feel she was evil. Labeled. So in her mind now, she thinks she is evil. So what's yeah. the one place that's going to accept evil? The brotherhood of evil. Yep. Wow, that's, yeah. Oh, that's, that's a fitting name.
0: Yeah. You know? No, absolutely. Yeah. Cause Niles labeled her basically evil, a terrible yeah. person who does terrible yeah. things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Again, so, which brings me back to the theory that Niles had to have known that Rita was there, yeah, because mm. that is the moment that would have triggered that.
2: See, you know, I,
0: I wish I would have thought of that during my rewatch because I think that could have made things a little more interesting. You know, yeah, just sure. to see it through that perspective. But no, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think I really like that theory. I think Niles knew because when you talk about time travel and destiny and everything, you know, Rita was always destined to do this right mm-hmm. because past Rita pushes present Rita back into the cabin so then present Rita dies to yeah. go back and become past Rita so she can come back around and be Wibbly,
2: wobbly, <laughs> timey, <windy>
0: God, <laughs> I love it fucking time I travel
1: let me tell you <laughs>
0: oh shit so all right let's get on to Rita because I think like I said this is this is a big big Rita season this is Rita season in my opinion.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely.
0: So happy that she gets a story. She gets, she, and she, in going to the past and losing her memory and all that fear and doubt and securities, she's able to just work her powers willy-nilly with no care in the world, very confident, because why not, right? Mm-hmm. and and so I loved that for her I hated the heartbreak obviously like, oh no she found love and she had a happy I'm glad that she had a wonderful happy life with wonderful happy caring friends it made me a little sad that it wasn't the gang the the doom patrol themselves because of the history obviously that she had with them but right. this was It was so refreshing to see a happy, lively Rita, a confident Rita.
2: Absolutely.
0: Not a huge, huge fan of her descent into, you know, just dipping her toes into villainy a little bit because she's so mad with with Laura. But I I get it. April Bowlby does an amazing job this season in taking us on that fucking ride of Rita's journey. So what did you think of... Rita storyline I know we like we said we always wanted more Rita we wanted more for Rita yeah so what did you think in terms of what they gave us for her
1: dude I loved it um I know that you and I don't feel like this was Doom Patrol's strongest season but I feel like this is Rita's strongest season absolutely and she owned this season she's been a character that we haven't struggled with as far as getting to love Mm -hmm. because I think we've always loved Rita but she's a character that we've struggled to understand. You know, she's always been trying to find her place in this world. She's always felt like there's a part of her that's kind of always felt a little disconnected from the rest of the gang, you know? And I don't think us as fans always feel that way. I feel like her as a character also feels that way. Like, something about her, like, she loves the gang, but something about this group of misfits, it felt like this wasn't always who how it was meant to be for her. Mm-hmm. But we never quite got it, never really went any further than that. We never got any explanation of you know of anything without anything like that about Rita. The most tragic thing we found out about Rita's backstory is that her mom fucked a producer to get her a role. And it's just like, yeah, that's bad. But really, in comparison to all the other gang, is it that bad? I don't mean for that to sound bad, but
0: <laughs> <you know. laughs> how bad was that? No.
1: <laughs> exactly. But what I loved about this is Rita Farr goes to Rita Time. To, to time traveler extraordinaire whatever she was
0: world-renowned time traveler world-renowned
1: time traveler Rita Farr so I just really think that Rita and the just the character and in, in herself finally came into her own and we got the backstory that we as fans deserve for her character yes it's, and you know what it's not even the backstory I wanted to be honest with you I don't know what I wanted as far as Rita's backstory goes, but I'm glad that we got what we got because now we know that Rita's more than just this actress from the 1940s, you know, who just fell in the fucking water and now she's bendy. She's more than that. She's an influence and she's a, she's a nurturer. She's a friend. She's not, I don't want to say a mother figure because I feel like that was more Laura DeMille's role for a little while there. Um, But she's a fighter, you know, and she's a lover. And we learn all these things from the experiences that she had when she was with the sisterhood, that it really had me appreciate her character so much more at the end of this season. Mm -hmm. I love Rita now more than ever, Mm -hmm. because of this, because of the experiences that she went through. And it's funny, because during this one of the episodes it's through uh, the, like the second to last episode when they're in the bus on the way down to florida yes. right before it flips over oh that poor bus That they're gonna need so a new
0: shit. bus next season how the fuck <laughs> uh,
1: i hope so but um you know she says to the gang you know she, they're getting into some argument on the bus mm-hmm. you know because Vic had the surgery and you know oh they're just like, all
0: bickering yeah had-
1: they're all bickering. And she says very, you know, wholeheartedly, passionately. And it's a little, and I think she's going to come off as a little offensive to the group, but you know, it's the truth that, you know, for you, fo- for you all, I was only gone for a few days, but for me, it was a lifetime mm-hmm. in her mind. She was gone for years. Yeah, They didn't notice that they thought that she was just gone for a few days. And that is how, I mean, tra- time travel, dude, you
0: know?
1: exactly. So she lived a second life Mm -hmm. which helps shape things for her current life well Mm -hmm. current you know you know modern days wobbly (laughs) (laughs) Wobbly again so i don't know i i I feel like she i feel like she got the due diligence she deserved Mm -hmm. for her story Mm -hmm. i'm very interested to see how they're going to progress on that now from here now i don't feel like season four is going to be as rita heavy I think the next season is probably going to be, I uh, have a lot more just the gang coming back together and figuring out what they're going to do. But I'm really glad that for this season, it primarily focused on her past, her present her, past. Her past, past, <laughs> this past, but also what this past meant for her and the gang's future. Yes.
2: Yeah.
0: You know? Yeah. Cause now, cause now she's, she's had, other friends she's lived a life outside of the mansion she found love for yeah. 30 years she assuming yeah. that her and Malcolm were together that in almost that entire time
1: that does not age
0: they don't I, I I don't think they age they don't age at the same rate as non soups as, uh, as, uh, as it, us they
1: call it that they call us normies normies yeah <laughs> yeah
0: no I think I, yeah I just think their aging is just slower so she
1: looked just as flawless in 1917 as she did in
0: 2021 well of course time well yeah (laughs) but also like you know it's 2021 but she's been you know she she had her heyday in the what was it like the 40s 30s or 40s and hasn't aged so right
2: right
0: i really i was very very happy that we got all this Rita and she has now control over her powers as well. And very like controlling her
2: destiny too.
0: Yeah. And it's like, she's got, she's got that, like, again, kind of like Dorothy, unlike Dorothy though, we see how Rita gains this confidence and able to step into leadership roles, just like yeah. Niles knew she was yeah. going to, cause he was there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm hammering it in. It's, yeah. it's a thing um, it makes sense it makes all the sense so i was very very happy to see it and kind of thinking about it even now just talking about it at first i i liked that we got all the rita we got i liked that she got in her powers but it was like did she have to go through again tragedy but these are tragic characters and all they know is tragedy even when they find true. happiness and it's That's like true. Um, and one part of me is like did we really need a man to propel her story and her progress. But the fact that Rita never had a romantic love that saw her and accepted her for everything that she is, I think that is more important than the loss yeah. that she experienced from it.
1: Right. And and you know, it's funny that you say it that way because I never can cons- and maybe just because I'm a guy, so maybe it's, you know, just a, a different type of point of view, but. With her and Malcolm, I never got the impression that Malcolm was out to, like, save the damsel in distress.
0: Well, no, like not at all. You know, he was there to,
1: like, he was there to help her, absolutely, because she was new. She was in a brand new time. She was amongst strangers. Even though she was, you know, she had the amnesia, she didn't really know where the fuck she was or what was going on. Still, that's got to be a scary situation. So he and her basically clicked almost immediately, you know.
0: Naturally
1: it was a it was a natural thing exactly and some people do that yeah me and my wife we had a natural thing I'm and, sure you and Timmy had a natural thing so and I'm
0: not saying he was out there to be any kind of rescuing a damsel in distress type but that yes I guess I meant to imply it was implied that it was a natural love these two naturally came yeah. together under unnatural yeah. circumstances
2: <laughs> Tight,
0: and, they wibbly they wobbly, and they found love and they held on to that love for 30 years
1: and how sweet was it? right? And for those who, who don't know, again, spoilers, Malcolm can turn invisible. It was kind of his power. But he also didn't have a heart. His heart was replaced by a birdcage. And in the cage was a yellow canary. And, you know, there's this really sweet moment where she makes a paperclip heart for him mm-hmm. and hangs it in the cage. And he says to her, I will protect it with my life. And he in the end he actually ends up doing that Mm -hmm. Um, he dies i don't think he dies really he had no intention of dying obviously but you know and he didn't i think intend to die for rita or anything i think it was more he was just more kind of seen as like the sacrifice that puts rita over the edge but it it, it did prove just the kind of person that you know and the type of good-hearted natured person that malcolm was that He would be the one who would step in front of the line, Mm -hmm. you know, to ask, why are you doing this? Just to be, I mean, I guess he was, I don't know. What was that? Some sort of weird taser that they took him down with that ended up killing him. I don't know. It's a weird weapon.
0: But I mean, he's also trying to stand up for the love of his life as well. And his friends, which are also, you know, family.
1: And that's who he is. Mm -hmm. That was, that was his personality. And like I said, I wish we got more of Malcolm because I really did like what we got with him. I don't feel like we got enough time to get to understand him or the rest of the Dada group. But I think of everyone in the Dada, he was the one who I respected the most. I I liked him the most. I felt like he had the most to give and he was just, you know, he's just a good guy. Mm -hmm. I like good people.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, and we even saw like within the Dada's that as time passed and as Laura DeMille becomes more jaded, that, the dadas themselves are becoming more apathetic to being dadas, you know,
2: True.
0: Rita and Malcolm, they've come up with like a new art piece and they've got the masks and they're doing their dancing and they they're still filled with all that love and, and art and joy and passion. And we even see the dadas just being like, what's the fucking point? You know, like basically like Laura's ditched us. She's not even a part of us and all, and, rita's the one They're trying to keep hope
1: alive basically yeah it rita's the right.
0: only one trying to keep that hope alive and she even says like well laura rescued us maybe it's our time to try and rescue her and yeah. i think that could have been kind of interesting to see in the past of them actually trying to pull laura from doing bad things but whatever
1: sure i could no, i could respect that absolutely absolutely
0: Let's see. Why don't we touch on the Dada's real quick while we are here? Because then sure. each individual Dada also has a moment with one of our doom patrollers.
1: Mm-hmm. Some funnier than the
2: others.
0: Yeah. So we've got a nice group of metas mm-hmm. and probably most notable would be the fog. Shelly Byron. Shelly. Yeah. Shelly. So overall, what did you think? I know the answer <laughs> of the dadas
2: um <laughs> sorry you know
1: that's okay you um, the dadas were okay I don't like bashing this show because it's one of my favorite shows and I'm not bashing I'm really not this and I am going somewhere with this promise you I absolutely promise I don't feel like this was a bad season by any means I feel like it was just there was a lot going, more going on in the season than needed to happen once. And I feel like the Dada, it was a little underwhelming. I don't think we got to get, to, we didn't really get to know a lot of these characters the way that we've gotten to know the gang. Now granted, we only have one season to work with and we've gotten to know the gang now over three seasons. So that's a little different, mm-hmm. nonetheless, in every single episode. But with the Dada group, I don't feel like there was enough time explaining why each individual member of the sisterhood, basically what they basically what their role was. Like for instance, for example, uh, the girl who Cliff has the interaction with, the uh, Japanese girl, uh, uh, Sachiko. Sachiko.
0: S a c h
1: i k o. Okay. Thank you for getting that name because I totally didn't. I appreciate that. I don't really know anything about her. We don't get a backstory on her. We, I mean, she tells Cliff that, or Cliff at one point she knows what it's like to be alone, but that's the case for all of these characters. They all know what it's like to be alone. So that's nothing unusual or nothing nothing new. Leroy. Leroy, I thought was great. I loved Leroy. But again, Leroy, we didn't get a whole lot of backstory on. You know, we under, I understand what Leroy was trying to convey with when he had his interaction with Cyborg and the woods. L- Lloyd, did I say, when I say Leroy? Yes. Oh, geez, I'm so sorry.
0: Lloyd, Lloyd. slash Fenzie is what is listed on uh, IMDb. Okay. So his All meta right, so name, meta name's probably fenzy or nickname something. Meta so
2: mm-hmm. I want be meta
0: name. Not that cool. <laughs> We're not metas. We uh, need to be experimented on or something. I don't
1: know.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's true. You don't. Um,
1: want it. Lloyd. I liked Lloyd as the character. I thought he looked really cool. I kind of like the whole bicycle look on the like uh, bicycle wheels on the back on his back. Kind of thought that was kind of a neat look. But I really don't know a lot about him. And the fog, you know, the fog is probably the one aside from, actually, no, I actually, I was to say aside from Malcolm, but no, not even Malcolm. I would say the fog is the one that we probably got the most time with because of our interactions with Jane. Mm-hmm. But even with her, I don't have an opinion really there. The group is just kind of meh to me, I guess, Yeah. you know, I, I wish I had a better formed opinion. I really do. I wish there, I, because I liked what the sister I like what the sisterhood of Dada stands for, and I like the relationship they all have with each other. I like how accepting they are, and I even understand their need to come together when they and work together after they are are betrayed. Hence the uh, you know the flagellation, but it's just something about it. Something about this group of characters that just didn't resonate with me the way that other characters have in the past seasons. Like, I hate to say this, but even the guy who would eat hair oh, had a God. better impression on me than some of the, some of the, he had the sisters.
0: a stronger impression on us. Cause he was disgusting.
1: Yeah, it's just <laughs> It wasn't a better
0: sisters, one. Was... It was just stronger.
1: And what's funny is like, I just felt like when they were on screen, I just felt like sometimes they were just there and that sucks because this is a show full of very unique characters you know this isn't just like your other any other superhero show that comes out this is showing the other side of metas um not the not i mean the most heroic person on this show the most the closest we get to a hero is fucking vic yeah you know he's the closest we get everybody else shit just kind of happens and it works out in their favor in the end
0: well and he's the most like driven to be a hero You know,
1: he is part of the justice. Exactly. So it's like the
0: the rest of the group, they're just kind of like, whatever. We're just fucked up. (laughs) And yeah, things just happen to work out for us sometimes. Yeah.
1: And don't get me wrong. I have nothing against this group. Again, it's just that even on a second watch through, I didn't really form a different opinion than I did in the first one. A lot of the times I was confused about what was going on with them. It took me a while to really understand what the flagellation was all about and what the purpose of it was. And, you know, I use these words a lot during these shows, but I'll say it, there was no real character development with any of these characters. Maybe the fog a little bit, but I don't feel like I got that much character development with really any of the other ones.
0: But when we talk about really so far a one-off group of people for a season, of characters, yeah, this, how much right. backstory, when we already have a fairly large cast to deal with of main characters that the show is surrounded by, you know, you, you mentioned that there's a lot going on in this season. I just feel that anytime you have a show that has this many main characters, there's always going to be a lot going on when they each have their own subplot going. So it's, it's like, how much backstory are we going to want on the dadas and how much growth do we really need? want to or need to see with these more or less so far one-off characters
1: i suppose i understand that um and that makes sense so i wrote this down the episode subconscious patrol where basically the gang that it's the effects of the uh, of the flagellation where the gangs are basically reliving like their worst moments in their lives you know and then they have interactions with their subconscious. Very necessary. Well, I don't know about really necessary, but it was a good episode. And I and it conveyed what the whole purpose of the flagellation was basically about. But I feel like this was the one episode this season. I said, I feel like this is the one episode this season that we probably could have done without. And p- perhaps had a full episode giving a four to five parts, four to five parts devoted to each member of the Sisterhood of Dada. So we can understand where they come from. I would have liked to see one episode this season just completely revolved around the primary members and getting their backstories, Because I think I feel like I would have had a better formulated opinion of this group had I just had that.
0: I think that would have been too much. You think so? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's fair. I mean, mean, are you talking about like, Kind of like like the Sabrina episode with the fortune telling. So within one episode, we get like, I like five we mini. I, well, it's Michelle's fault. It's so so. Yeah. <laughs> she's yeah. she, she's the one pulling us back. No,
1: it's always this episode too. <laughs>
0: I guess I'm just looking for clarification. Are you saying that uh you would have liked to see one episode where it's divided into whatever the four or five parts? Yeah.
2: And so, we get yeah. a little
0: bit of backstory. Kind of, kind I guess like that, like that would that Sabrina be okay.
1: episode. I guess like that a little would flash be okay. on the screen that says Lloyd. But you know,
0: I don't know. I think that could have been interesting to see, but I think that I think that would have been too much. Because now we're given the backstories of these characters, and with the expectation possibly of giving a shit about them even more so.
1: But that's the thing. I think we're meant to give a shit about them in this series, in this episode, em- well, or in this whole We're supposed to
0: because they are they are the marginalized group in 1917 to 1949, and really throughout right. the rest of you know meta human existence.
2: You know, okay, so kind sure. of,
0: kind of between uh, Lloyd's conversation with Vic, you know, cause he's, he's a black meta. So he's got it, you know, probably worse than, uh, the fog or, uh, Sachiko or Holly was bad the
1: enough
0: other being one. Better not being a
1: meta in 1917. Now you're a black meta in 1917. Right. So yeah, I, I get what you're saying.
0: So I think, I think maybe that's that, sh- I think maybe they were hoping that that would be enough. You know, we sympathize with metas already for the most part within the the superhero world because they've got you know unless they go full villain, some tragic story. Oh, I my parents died and now I got power and I got hit by lightning. Sorry, I just went Barry Allen the Flash for whatever reason. But
1: <laughs> no, it's all right.
0: I think it could have been interesting. I, I, I don't know. I guess maybe it would have depended on how the episode was structured and the storylines they would have given the dadas as to whether Mm -hmm. or not I would be accepting of it. Because for me, I mean, I agree there is a little bit of what's the point, but they really were there to show really propel Rita's storyline and kind of show that how far off Laura DeMille fell from the sisterhood of data. You know, here's this group of rogue metas. They save, they welcome Rita who doesn't know who she is. Nothing, but they accept her. They they see her being stretchy in the mailroom and rocking and rolling. And she's developing a little fan club. And they're like, yeah, she leads them in their little cafeteria sit-in protest and everything. She has a moment where she starts to doubt herself and she starts melting. But then the Dada picks her up, literally like picks her up and they're all piffle, paffle, piffle, paffle, whatever. Right. I think just based off of that, we are supposed to be like, these are good people. They, they're pacifists and they truly do care about each other and then got royally fucked by Laura DeMille. Right. Now, if they decide to bring any of the members of the Dada back in next season or any future seasons, I would absolutely expect a little bit more backstory at that point. But if this is going to be the only season we get them, I'm good. I'm good with what we are given
1: per- on a personal I agree. note. So I guess I could take it either way. I mean, if they come back, they come back, mm-hmm. you know, then maybe, maybe we'll get more, you know, more backstory, or maybe we'll just get to understand these characters a little more mm-hmm. uh, individually now in the present day, or if they don't, then You know, we move on. Yeah. Is what it is. Yeah. So, but yeah, I guess that's really just my only opinion of them. I have an opinion without having an opinion.
0: (laughs) Isn't that what being on a podcast is all about? (laughs) Pretty much (laughs) having an opinion without having an opinion. (laughs)
1: I'll be here all week, folks.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, from the Dadas, we're branching off the Dadas and we're going back to our little band of misfits. Mm hmm. Why don't we real quick, I want to talk about uh, the episodes Dead Patrol and Undead Patrol because oh, especially Undead Patrol felt like a standalone episode, but it was so good. It was so much fun. I love it. it. Like so I said, I think fun. that one might be my favorite because out of this season, that one felt the most true to its season one roots of being bonkers as fuck. And I loved it. But yeah in dead patrol because oh god and going back to like wibbly wobbly shit because then there's the whole brotherhood of evil and they send garguax decimator
1: garguax Garguax the decimator yes
0: and so they send him to earth waiting around to dispose of rita and so he waits what is it like 50 years before uh no, it was like uh, it
1: was uh no, it was more than that. Close to 70 years.
0: So the yeah. the group finally shows up to this lodge where Garguax and Samuelson are uh have been stationed. Played by Billy
1: Boyd. Sorry, I did to say it.
0: Because the gang needs a quote vacation. And I love that yeah. vix like vacation implies work, we don't do shit. Right. So, but this is where the timey wimey stuff really kind of starts coming into the storyline big time yeah. because so they, they realize that Rita's there Gar- uh, Gargoyle has pretty much given up on the mission. Cause he's like, well, the mission gave up on us, but right. Samuelson's like, no, no, she's here. We need to do it. And in doing so takes out the decimator. Cause I'm not going to, I'm going to keep fucking up his name and the gang. And as Rita tries to make a run for it past Rita pushes present Rita back in. So everyone gets shot and everything
1: plays out the way it's meant to play
0: exactly and there's that nice voiceover in the time machine which perfectly explains all of that so i don't want to get too far into it and so they die they're on the boat crossing the river sticks and my question is when they're on the boat crossing the river sticks and getting over to um processing (laughs) because they're not fully dead yet everyone passes out except for rita Is that ever explained why? Has that have to do with the dot on time travel? And so she's awake when they're pulling everybody in.
1: I never thought about it.
0: Because she's like everyone I just figured that
1: she just wasn't affected by it, but I never really thought about why she wasn't affected by it.
0: Why wasn't she affected? Like if 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 Cliff is gonna be affected by it, you know, because he has a human brain, okay. Jane, sure. Yeah, Vic, sure. But why not Rita? And I don't hmm. remember getting an answer to that or even a quick one line. I don't think there was an explanation one line. Like, I don't expect a deep explanation, but even just a one line in passing of being like, oh, that was the time. That was the wibbly wobbly. The effects of wibbly so she, wobbly.
1: She faked it. She was the only one who did not go off into like her own little dead world where every, like everybody else did, where they get, like interacted with someone from their past. Right. Like Cliff with his father, Jane with her grandmother, or Kay with her grandmother. Vic with his mom Ooh. but she didn't have him mm-hmm.
0: okay so in the timeline that she quote that the gang dies maybe she isn't affected because past her is running around in that present day timeline so she's never fully dead
2: hmm. do you Ooh, think that
0: point. could be it because that's a good point that's how they're able to reach the gang because they're not fully dead because there's Kirk two Tork. Ritas now yes. basically in
1: the same timeline yeah so there's point. a dead yeah. b-
0: an unconscious, almost dead Rita, but a fully alive Rita running around, or at least well, the stopped thing... there to make sure that <laughs> sad <laughs> Rita becomes, comes back around. Wibbly wobbly.
1: You guys had to throw time travel in your fucking show, didn't you? God damn it. It was all so straightforward. And you were mixing time travel. I mean, we were fine now with these kind of conversations.
0: We're fine with donkey butt and wear butts and. <laughs>
1: But you throw in past, in the future, it's just, ah,
0: fuck. So now that's my working theory is that because past Rita came back and made sure present Rita died, quote, died, because yeah. then Rita doesn't have a vision of her own, but she becomes, she gets unshackled from the little hangy things and mm-hmm. Malcolm saves her.
1: That's right. And, you know, it's funny. Uh, did you notice that Malcolm, the way Malcolm's face looked? It was the same as the mask, yep, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. I was. I didn't think I was crazy. I thought that was it, but because he died um, with the I mask thought, on. Yeah. So I thought that was a nice little nod to that, um, and it made and it totally made sense. Yeah, it, Dead Patrol was a very cool and unique episode. It, now, Dead Patrol didn't feel like it was like one of those one-off episodes, like Undead Patrol no. felt like. Dead Patrol felt very necessary towards the actual progression of the story. Um, they had the, the, basically the gang had to die in order for things to, to happen the way they needed to for Rita. But what I really did like about this episode is those interactions that the other members of the gang had with different individuals from their life. Mm -hmm. Um, especially Kay with her grandmother. I thought that was, I thought it was really sweet. Um, and because that's where we actually learned the true background of all the personalities is in that scene and where they
2: came from Mm -hmm. her
1: mother her grandmother uh sewed dolls together for Kay when she was a child to just kind of help her as much as he can and each doll was named after one of her personalities and or she named her
0: personalities after the the dolls i don't know which came first but either way
1: remember her grandmother told jane that she created a, a doll for her that she named jane because she knew that Jane would be the strongest, uh, would be the strongest, and the one to protect her. And I think that's what her grandmother was trying to convey: is that these dolls were she was making weren't just dolls; they were supposed to be items of protection for her. Mm-hmm. You know, feel like they're, but- yeah, items of protection, things of comfort for her, uh, uh, for Kay. You know, who's just always going back to just like the shittiest fucking life a child could possibly fucking live.
0: But but was all of that. I guess I wasn't, I guess I missed if they explained whether or not the grandma, grandma Jane, because then we find out that that's basically the doll and the persona Jane is probably somewhat based off her abuela. Yes,
1: because you're right. Because grandma's real name is Jane. Mm -hmm. That was it. Grandma's real name is Jane. Yep. And that's how
0: grandma knew that the Jane doll would be the strongest to protect her. I guess I wasn't, I guess I assumed maybe I missed it that these dolls came before Kay's big time split. Maybe Kay was already starting to develop different personalities, maybe one or two. Wow. But that, because, okay. you know, we know when Jane comes in, Jane comes in later in life, yes. the persona yes. Jane. So I guess yes. my assumption was that Kay ended up basing unconscious, subconsciously, I'm assuming, her a lot of these personas, on the dolls that her abuela her abuela made to protect her and to take her mind off of the tragic shit going on in her life but did i maybe miss something where these things maybe i
1: was happened? under the impression that kay's grandmother uh sewed these dolls together for her and gave them names
0: right uh, yeah but was that, that before Kay split or after do you think
1: i think it was in my i thought it was before. Yes, so me too. So I, and so I always thought it was before, and then once Kay had, as you were calling it, her split, that's when these dolls manifested into personalities. Exactly. So that's that's the impression I got. Okay, from
0: it. that's the same one I got, but I just wanted to make sure that I didn't maybe miss a line or an interaction. Mm, right. No, I don't think okay. you
1: did. I don't think you did. But, um, yeah, going back to it, like I feel like that of the three different stories in this kind of a dead period that they're in that we got I, I really felt like hers was the more was the most you know heartfelt it was uh and, and it gave us a lot more like it gave us a lot of actually a lot of background on Kay as a character because mm-hmm. now we know where all of these personalities are coming from and how she came up with them mm-hmm. and we never really had that explanation anymore. so I thought that was a wonderful explanation
0: I liked it too because it it made sense and it was simple it didn't have to be so it it didn't have to be a great big thing and I think Mm -hmm. it was it makes sense yeah and I think it does too so I liked it too
1: and then we have Vic Vic was probably like the most second heartfelt because he's with his mom again and but we also get a big reveal with Vic in this uh, part where he finds out from his mom that his father did not necessarily have to turn him into cyborg this was a choice that his father made there was a synthetic skin that they were that was in it's like the well it was developed at this point but it was still very new and they weren't sure what the side effects of it were going to be but so was so was vix tech
0: exactly (laughs) you
1: know so you know, we learn that his father made a very selfish decision, even though later on in the series, after Vic undergoes his procedure, we learned that why his father kind of did what he did. But still, it was still pretty selfish mm-hmm. of his father to do it, even if it, there was an emotional reason behind it to try to save his son. We learned that, you know, there was just this, the, this choice that his father had that he, did, he went in unconsciously just not caring how it was going to affect his son later on in life you know he just really wanted to see how it worked for the sake of the experiment and not for how this is going to affect you know my flesh and blood mm-hmm. so vic has a very eye opening moment during this session that this meeting that he has with his mom and it's also very hard you know heartwarming too because you could tell just in that you know that few minutes that we saw those two actors you know interacting with each other and doing their playing their roles just how much these two characters really meant to one another, mm-hmm. especially him to her.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, she loved him. She loved him so, so much. And I I don't think she said it, but basically she implied that, you know, if it was her decision, she would have never gone, gone the, the way of the tech. Mm-hmm. Vic had a really good season that, uh, had a really good season on this uh, run of Doom Patrol. And I feel like uh, this episode here was kind of like the start to, how the rest of his season was going to progress from
0: absolutely there. absolutely yeah. i agree i i really liked vic's story and i like that you notice we've been calling him vic and not cyborg is that his i i think that's just because yeah. of his his path and his arc this season is he's really he's vic he wants to be I'll, I'll vic.
1: Let's, cyborg will slip out every now and then but i feel like he's only going to be called cyborg when he does some cyborg shit, mm-hmm. you know <laughs> but but that actually that's funny because we, we don't see a lot of cyborgs.
0: No, well, we don't because Vic is struggling with this the choice his father made and how mm-hmm. that how that truly impacts him and not yeah. having a normal life and becoming basically a weapon. Like his dad was Laura DeMille in a sense, in that, you know what, we're gonna stamp Ooh, sure. weapon instead yeah. of not a weapon yeah. and see yeah. how it pans yeah. out.
1: I didn't think about it like that but that's yeah it that's just came comparison. to me just
0: now oh my god
1: <laughs> the things you think of when you're saying about so but then there's but then there's clips cliff had a very weird one I felt with the interaction with his
0: father I kind of felt bad for cliff because after he comes out of it he realizes that his dad had a relationship with his daughter so yeah. grandpa had a relationship with Clara um while
1: Clara loved him too. to find out later on
0: while Cliff was held up in, in doom Manor, And, you know, so Cliff, I, I found it to be kind of interesting because throughout the first two seasons, you know, especially, you know, especially after he finds out Clara is still alive and track kind of tracks her down and everything, we always get these flashes of him being like a happy doting father, but like this, so we see that in this season, with the subconscious patrol that he doesn't even, he's not even remembering his shit correctly because he still did terrible bad dad things and that he wasn't as, he's not as perfect of a father and doting as he keeps painting this picture. And that being confronted with the fact that his dad, who he has a lot of resentment towards, actually had a relationship with Clara, pisses him the fuck off. And I think kind of pushes him to, strive to be more present in Clara's life and Rory's life
1: yeah he does it in a really strange way it's Cliff though
0: and no matter how much Cliff wants to change and do better because we've seen little glimpses of that in the first two seasons he's Cliff he's (laughs) he's gonna fuck it up and he's gonna dip back a little bit into old ways whether he's ODing on on parking meds or not it's it's hard to break that pattern and that's you know that pattern was established by his father first and foremost which then you know that cycle of of trauma and uh, and abuse and everything we see that play out in in cliff and so he's trying to break kind of two generations of bullshit as a giant (laughs) shaky robot body and so let me ask
1: yeah let me ask you something about this scene right here just just this whole thing between cliff and his dad there's one part of this that just still, I can't figure out why they threw it in there. And I don't know if it's just supposed to be like kind of like a funny moment or a redneck moment or just a whatever moment. But I still can't figure out why the, why they show writers at this in. But when his father guns down the Pegasus, I am trying to understand the symbolism there. It's There's got to be some sort of deeper meaning behind that because it's just so fucking random to throw a Pegasus into this guy's, this particular person's world, this dead world, and he just fucking shoots it out of the air. I mean, I don't understand why that was, why they felt like that was necessary. If you got any impression from this, please tell me because I, I didn't know what to make of it.
0: Well, Hunter's going to hunt and, gonna you know, hunt. Redneck's yeah. going to Redneck, but... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I I think it was to kind of show that still, even at this point, and through Cliff's eyes, his father is going to be the one that destroys all things beautiful.
2: Oh. Even
0: though Hunter's Ooh, gonna like hunt that. and redneck's yeah. gonna redneck. Yeah. you know, it's it's still something that Cliff saw as beautiful and majestic and you know, worth obviously keeping around and his okay. dad who, i like that
1: i, I it's now i did not think of it that way i didn't think i didn't know what to think of it so that i didn't I really know
0: that. what to think of it and i'm glad i again i just came up with it hmm. i guess that's because even though this isn't subconscious patrol where they're in the sub they're in more of a that waiting area yeah. to the afterlife that but maybe he still sees his dad that way or that his dad is just that way and that even though his dad still managed to have this great relationship with with clara and everything he's still
1: still an asshole Still
0: kind of an asshole he's gonna shoot a pegasus out of the sky so that's that's my okay all right let's get to larry because poor fucking larry just snaps like a goddamn
1: he has such a breakdown in this episode he's such a breakdown And
0: through larry and dorothy because this is the last time we see Dorothy in this, uh, in this season, yep. we are introduced to the dead boy detective agency. I mm-hmm. loved, I loved it. I loved it. I hope, I hope these same actors come back to play uh, their characters in the Sandman Netflix is I this, doubt is, it. I, they're not listed, but their characters yeah. aren't listed either on, on oh. IMDb but that's okay. not unusual. I was just thinking
1: because it's a Netflix show versus an HBO show, but yeah, that's a good, that's, yeah.
0: But they, I love that, you know, obviously because the dead boy detectives came from the Sandman. They made their first right. appearance, um, and I don't remember, but I just listened to that chapter because I'm listening to the audiobook and with mm-hmm. the full cast of voice, of actors, voice actors and everything. And it's, amazing i love it so much i'm on the second act fantastic it's like listening it's what i imagine listening to old-timey radio stories must have been like
2: oh okay
0: but with i never read the
1: sandman i've heard good things though
0: i've read i only read a couple whatever i only read a little bit of it now i've got the audiobooks because once they announced the full cast i was like i'm Mm -hmm. fucking in and yeah. yeah, David Tennant does the voice. Anyway, we're not here to talk about that one. Anyways, so Dead Boy Detectives, and you're right. It is an HBO thing versus a Netflix thing. It's a DC thing. And even though Sandman obviously, take, you know, Neil Gaiman's done a lot of writing and stuff for within the DC world, who knows if they'll come back, but I loved these characters. I, I thought the actors did a really great job portraying these mm-hmm kids but they're not kids right because they're right. over 100 years old because they've been dead for right. over 100 years they just look
1: that way because that's how that's they look when they, they died. died. yeah
2: exactly so,
0: i was actually sad that we didn't get a little bit more of the dead boy detectives throughout this season but it really it makes sense that they only appeared in this episode but they help larry go into this waiting room for the afterlife to track down his friends and yeah. and save them so we say goodbye to dorothy because at the end of this episode she goes off with the the dead boy detectives and danny at least we got danny a little bit even though we didn't get flex or morally we we, so,
1: we, we sort of got we danny, sort of. danny was at the danny was in the background i know I'm, I'm making the same face that you are when i when i think of it because
0: big sad face
1: i sent you that text message yesterday saying i'm so upset we didn't get any flex
0: no flex any, no flex at all. The only teeny tiny bit of flex we got was in uh, like 1949 when they, we have the one recruited meta that can make and you know drawings come to life, 2D objects. The yeah, comic yeah. that he pulls the beach ball out of is the comic from I think season oh, was that, one. Oh was flex? that? Oh was that it? Mm-hmm.
1: Oh I didn't realize that. Yep. I guess that's kind of an Easter egg. A little then.
0: bit, but right.
1: I'm just gonna. I know that we want to that we're talking about uh, about uh, uh, the Dead Dead Boy Detective Agency and and Larry, but I just gotta say really quick, y'all fucked up on this. You should have brought Flex back. You know how how for a whole year I was looking forward to seeing Flex return to the screen, and you just didn't do it.
0: Yep, y'all fucked up. But (laughs) but yes, who knows? Maybe
1: season four, he'll be back.
0: Hopefully. But yeah, so we see, so Larry snaps because now that the gang is dead, someone shipped their pieces
2: (laughs) and boxes and
0: he wraps them in his like preserving bandages and then poses them at the table. And then Dorothy shows up. (laughs) He puts the middle finger up. Yes. For Jane Jane to, he's like, oh, that's so her. And she's like, (laughs) and and Dorothy's like, don't you think this is a little dark and morbid and he's like well yeah and then once he says it out loud he's like yeah
1: (laughs) so then she offers to make him pancakes just to try to ease his mind a little bit
0: (laughs) which was so sweet and again
1: yeah signs
0: of dorothy having matured a bit but right but yeah so larry goes back he saves his friends and everything and pulls them out from the afterlife waiting room we get a little bit of um ruth connell who is most known probably known as uh rowena from supernatural because she's like the night nurse or whatever that she's trying to she's trying to reclaim charles and edwin because death has been looking at coming coming for them for a while so oh, okay. she's kind of she's like that weird spider lady that spews the shit at the it spews out all the
1: vomit and yeah. I, that
0: was the best part when they're like it's just vomit yeah <laughs> it wasn't some acid that was gonna melt them all or well, we,
1: well, we, we learned the next episode it wasn't just vomit but yeah you're right but that was a funny reaction to it though that it was, really,
0: really was. That was a, such a doom patrol reaction it wasn't
1: they're like fuck you yeah. <laughs>
0: they're like this terrible thing happened and oh yeah it's only vomit
1: <laughs> yeah i loved it
0: so then that leads us into the undead patrol which we'll just spend a little bit time on it because i want to acknowledge it because it's it's a bit of a standalone episode i felt we get uh that jones darren Derek, dave dan douchebag jones comes back he's aware whereby. oh darian
1: jones yeah okay yeah (laughs) I was like, who the fuck are you talking? I'm thinking in my head. I was like, are you talking about Kipling? Name's Kipling, dude. But now I realize who you're talking about.
0: So they become zombies. So I guess, yeah, it's something within that spider lady spit that starts to fester in them. And
1: yeah. Starts making them decay. Yeah. And just, yeah.
0: And um. But it was so funny. It though. was so they were zombies, and they're doing the whole like zombie talk, but we get the but, little yeah,
2: to each other And they're
0: sassing each other so fucking hard, and
2: just oh my god,
0: it was it's the most ridiculous and totally I my love favorite.
1: That Doom Patrol, the writers of Doom Patrol were so clever to have to write these zombies but give them actual speech that they can understand and Kipling can understand. And all they're doing is fucking just talking shit and trolling each other the whole time. <laughs> they want brains, but really in the end, they're just fucking trolling. Yeah. It's so funny. <laughs> it's so
2: good.
0: Absolutely. And I love that at one point, Kipling, because I I'm in my note, I have him down as Crowley because he played Crowley in Supernatural, who is also the son of Rowena, played by Ruth Connell, who was the night nurse in who's the spider lady Who spit the not just the vomit so little supernatural trail for you but he calls them solomon grundy's
1: (laughs) yeah he does doesn't he well i mean he's a dc property so that makes sense i i actually
0: rewound that real quick because i was like did he really just call them all solomon grundy's and he did and i was like i love this show
1: (laughs) that's good um one thing I also loved about this episode, and this was more towards kind of like the beginning of the episode, um, when Kipling has uh, now, not now at this point, uh, Kipling has uh, yes. uh taken Niles's head and he has basically jammed a speaker of some sort into Niles's mouth, cast a uh, what sounded like more of a Hebrew type spell, uh, like prayer, but it was more like a spell, but it was in Hebrew, I'm pretty sure, uh, over Niles's head, which allows Niles then to him and Niles interact with each other and talk and it's so funny because here you think it's going to become like there's going to be some sort of like big fucking interaction between them that's going to decide the fate of the universe or whatever and exactly it's like, and, but in the end it just turns out hey man can you try to hook me up with Baphomet <laughs> yeah <laughs> He's hey, under
0: yeah, the table can, uh, kipling's under yeah. the table like trying like doing the speaker through oh my god it was and yeah. he's like what do you and think he got, of like,
1: him? He's, was, he's like so what do you th- what was like what what do you think of kipling and she's like hey, and baphomet disappeared people and for those who don't know baphomet is just basically like a spiritual horse looking character super colorful fucking i love her you know what it but reminded
0: she- me of real quick was what? like 90s and the three-way call where i don't know if you and your friends ever did oh. this but you would Someone would be on like muted on the line, and then you'd call like their crush and be like, Oh, so what do you think of Susie? And Susie would be on the other line, totally silent, like, Oh my God, he knows my name. Uh, That's kind of what oh it reminded God. me of was some junior high shit, junior high call waiting or, uh, yeah, three way calling. I love shit. that.
1: <laughs> I never, I didn't think of it that way, but now I'm never gonna see it any other way than that. That's exactly what it is. It's totally what it was. And, and it's so funny because Baphomet is just like, like, Niles, what's wrong with you? And, and just, oh, it's so funny. But in the end, we actually learned that she did love
2: him. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. That was
1: literally like at the end of the episode, yeah. but still. I, um. Anyways, I just wanted to throw that in there because I thought it was a really cute part of that episode.
0: Well, and I'm glad you did bring that up because um, we realize we find out at the, towards the end of the episode, that the only way to cure our zombie patrol is they need they do need to eat brains and it's yeah. something that they say that was it's actually something within the brains that will cure zombieism but got right warped in hollywood as
2: yeah just what as they something that, that it's of.
1: not right and actually i thought that was i thought that was neat i and thought that was fun uh, so that was a nice twist on the whole z- lore of zombies yeah. and things like that wanting brains you know here we're thinking we're, they're just hungry but no they they, they want to be cured and it's the only way and they know this will cure them yep so
0: then yes. so then the only cure in the house is Niles at this point. Yeah. So yeah. they go ahead and Zombie Jane kind of has her moment with Niles's head where he gets to say goodbye and kind of apologize yeah. and everything yeah. and
1: and you see Zombie Jane getting actually kind of emotional yeah. at that moment because she like like I said earlier this was the closest thing to a true father figure that she actually had in her life.
0: Well, yeah. And then it's like, you know, we know that Baby Doll had a nice relationship with, with Niles, the only man Is that, that oh, yeah, they that, could trust. So even though Niles may not mean anything to say like Hammerhead or you know, Doctor. driller Bill or anything, it's yeah. like he still meant enough to Kay as a whole, personas included, that yeah. Jane was Jane needed to say that goodbye and needed to hear that goodbye. But then Niles goes ahead and offers himself up as their antidote, and so we see them all start digging in to Niles's brains. Well, and then the next shot is them all sitting there and Rita's par- pouring drinks. And I think Cliff's just like, "So what did talk it? About yeah, was yeah, like, <laughs> so what did it taste like?" And they're like, "Stop! T- shut up!" and I couldn't like, does this make us cannibals and I couldn't <laughs> help but wonder because then yeah he's a robot so he's like well I'd have to eat a Buick really to be considered a cannibal Yeah. and I'm like did. and I'm just like no seriously how does that work with him
2: <laughs>
1: that's true and actually going back to the moment really quick I just wanted to say really quick going back to that moment when Jane is holding his head and Niles is talking to her you know you see the emotion I, I can't remember what she says she says something kind of emotional back but then she like looks at him like kind of tilts her head a little she's like but your brain smells so fucking good Mm -hmm. and that's what she's like digs in like there's no compassion at that moment it's all about eating the brain and his last words
0: his last words to her were eat me because then when she burns that the straw niles as kind of her way of saying another step and saying goodbye like her little funeral for him she laughs that that was his last words And I don't know. I also felt that that was very fitting for Jane, that.
1: It was, yeah. And also even, you know, I guess technically this was Niles' real farewell.
2: Yes.
1: From a technical standpoint, it really is. He may be dead at this point, but this is really us saying goodbye to the character of Niles Niles Calder. And I think it was very suiting. Although I still don't believe Niles has fully redeemed himself, I have learn to forgive Niles for what he's done because of the sacrifice he's making for these people I mean there's really not a lot he could do about it at this point he's fucking dead mm-hmm. you know no I thought it was a good way for him to actually just kind of uh find peace with the group by offering up his brain so they can live I guess I don't, I don't know Yeah, M- maybe but Yeah, Undead Patrol was a lot. That that was a it was a really funny episode because on top of all that, we also got the return of the butts.
0: Yes, the wear butts. We got
1: the butts, And now
0: there's one, there's one wear butt on the loose. Oh yeah, there was, there was
1: I will lose, right? But we never saw it again after that when it was running towards Cloverton. Nope. I thought a shame.
0: See, and I thought it made another appearance, like in the last episode or something. But no, I no, that was a
1: point. giant nut sack.
0: Yeah, that was the yeah. giant nut sack. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, oh, so geez, I was like, <laughs> so who knows? Maybe the wear butts will be loose again next season. A lot of loose butts. I have a
1: feeling that's gonna be that's gotta be a reoccurring gag every
2: season. I fucking oh, hope so. The butts. you know, the I butts are so.
0: loose. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so after a short chocolate cake break. Uh, We are going to go ahead and move on with the rest of the season. I just wanted to talk about those two episodes because they were great. Mm -hmm. So now let's go on with, to our characters. I would like to start with Larry because I love him. Mm -hmm. We see him this season kind of. So he has a confrontation with his living son, Paul, and I loved that for him, not to take away from everything that Paul said to him about, you know, you, you were a shitty dad. You weren't there. All the, all these things. I loved that Larry stood up for himself yes. and was like, I forgive myself for all of that. Cause in my mind, I didn't leave. He's like, I didn't right. ask for any of this. And that is absolutely fair to say. And that's the
1: thing that his family, especially his son, Paul, never took into consideration and how his father was affected by what 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 happened to him. because mm-hmm. yeah, like Larry didn't ask for any of this to happen. Right. And even if he did somehow manage to be able to go back home, how would it have really been anyways? I mean, he would have been a danger to them because of the radiation.
0: Exactly. so and and I think within that uh, Larry forgiving himself, And also accepting, you know, we see him accepting the negative spirit, you know, for the end of season two and going up into space, which ended up being very short-lived and was very kind of confusing at first. So negative spirit leaves his body, but then he comes. So, and then Larry comes back to earth. Everyone's like, I thought you were going to be gone longer than that. And he's like, I don't fucking know what happened, but here I am and ends up having a negative spirit, a parasitic baby, baby is a, a little larvae,
1: baby. And
0: I love Larry taking on the dad role and he's wearing like Hawaiian shirts and he's trying to be all <laughs> Zen as fuck. So he's like, I yeah, can't oh be God, negative. About that. And so when it gets to the point that he now needs to merge with Keeg, cause we find out through one of the dadas, cause they can understand everything oh yeah that's right i think it was uh sachiko oh, okay but one of them understands negative spirit baby and is like oh its name is keeg and so my brain was like oh like kegel <laughs> <Huh. There laughs>
1: you go. and actually it's a cute moment too because that's when uh larry keeps larry they keep saying this thing hates me because he keeps getting electrocuted by him but it's not that he's trying to hurt him he's trying to merge with him
0: yep and and, and can't uh, because of the bandages because
1: of the bandages and she's like he doesn't hate you at all. He's just trying to merge with you. And it's a nice moment uh, right there because that's when Cyborg, oh, see, I just called him Cyborg. <gasps> Holy shit. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. So it, was actually not a, it was actually a booyah, booyah. <laughs> there you go. Got one in there. No, so, uh, th- this is when Vic steps up and takes one for his friend, for Larry, and allows Keeg to merge with him just so he can get keek back to do manner into Larry's room where they can properly merge because then he can unbandage and he's not hurting anybody with the radiation that's pouring off his body. Mm-hmm. So it was a really cool, cool moment between Larry and Vic. Like, like, and we, they, those two don't really, I feel like get a lot of bonding moments in this not show, really. but that was truly one.
0: This was, I really like that. I was very, very like impressed with Vic because he's not cyborg at this point, that he right. can still do something you know heroic. He's not yeah. dependent on his on the cybernetics and stuff. Like everyone's so disappointed about it, and he even has moments where he's like, "Hey, grid!" and oh, he doesn't have grid anymore. Yeah, like, yeah, all Grid's these little not there. Things. Already, so exactly. this was a nice moment for Vic to have that hero moment without being cyborg. And and yeah, I love Vic, Vic is he should be everyone's hero. Teen Titans Go Cyborg should be everyone's hero because he can throw meatball parties and shoot yeah. waffles. <laughs> and <laughs>
1: <I> love it.
0: <laughs> so I, I want to throw a
1: meatball party. Fuck
0: yeah! So I yeah, love I love that in this moment too. Larry is full on accepting of new negative spirit because when it leaves vick's body it's a negative spirit toddler it's so tiny it's so t- i know
1: it's so small it's got little <laughs> tiny arms and legs but it's got a huge head <laughs> like all babies <laughs> so, so funny it was oh, it was
2: great
0: It was just really nice that we finally get to see Larry be so accepting and start moving towards more of a "we" status with him and the negative spirit. Yes. Just like the astronaut lady from season two always referred to her and her negative spirit as a "we," And so when she called him out on, called Larry out on that, she's like, well, there's your first fucking problem. You know, we got to work together. So, and even Right. right before Larry merges with Keeg he makes us vow this promise to do right by him, by it. And, and to work together and all this stuff. And I'm, that made me so, so happy for Larry because I felt like in the first two seasons he was just so resistant of it. And so kind of like a lot of pushback too of like, well, why aren't you more upfront with me? What are you doing? What is this supposed to mean? Where more aggressive towards negative spirit and what it was trying to convey to him so this was a nice
1: yeah all these characters are damaged characters but he has really in the long run kind of larry has kind of damaged himself yes you know by just always hiding who he really is trying to give in to what society suspects from 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 him and just all this self-doubt self-loathing just not no, no love or respect for himself. We all make mistakes. We all fuck up, man. Some of us fuck up real, real, real bad in life. But, you know, I personally believe that there is always room, if not for forgiveness for others, there's always room for self-forgiveness. It's just that sometimes it is harder to forgive yourself than it is for others to forgive you. Mm -hmm. And this season focused a lot, I think, on not Larry's relationship with Keeg and his relationship with himself Mm -hmm. and now we are finally seeing larry understand not understand sorry that's not the word i meant to use we see larry forgiving what he believes to be kind of like the sins of his past Mm -hmm. because of him not being there for his family but it was the moment he had with paul that i think really brought that out where he finally got to say it all out loud not to just someone in the house but to an actual family, to his actual relative, mm-hmm. and that's when we saw Larry truly starting to love himself again. Yep. And then Kit, just the merger with him and Keeg, and him, like you said, just him making that promise. It it, it, it was it was a great th- great moment for Larry. It's what his character needs mm-hmm. to be able to move forward. And I'm very excited to see now what happens with Larry going forward in the show because I think we're going to see a different kind of
0: Larry. Absolutely. And to go back real quick to. Uh, the the dead patrol with the dead boy detectives he has that moment with Edwin yes mm-hmm. Edwin in, Black hair. yes in yeah, basically okay. trying to not so much pull Edwin out of the closet or anything but just to let him know that it's okay that if oh, Edwin oh, has right, right,
1: right what he realizes that they're actually that, they, that he loves him
0: yes and so I thought that was a really sweet nice moment i loved that for larry because that also shows that he's a, a, a uh, oh my god accepting <laughs> more coming more into terms with him and who he is and not just who he and negative spirit are but who he is and that he is I mean- he can be out and he can kind of let someone know that it's okay and it'll be okay
1: and even though Edwin, you know, appears to look younger than Larry, we know Edwin is actually older than Larry, mm-hmm. but I think it, maybe in Larry's eyes, he's just kind of seen Edwin as a young man,
2: well, and you Edwin know? is because
1: he looks so much younger.
0: Absolutely. And, he,
1: and he's trying to kind of uh, convey onto this who, person who he's seen as just a younger person that he understands where he's coming from, because I think he's trying to say that he's been there. Yep as if he's younger as if he's older than Edwin but I get it because of the, they looked at they looked so much different in age
0: well and Edwin even said or no Larry says to Edwin you know it's not 19 whatever you know when he died so that kind of yeah. leads us to believe that Edwin still feels closeted because of the time period in which and when he was alive and so he's not even though they're in the real world they're not alive no one else can see them they were surprised that dead the, or that uh, Larry and Dorothy could see Charles and yeah. Edwin so yeah. they they're not alive in the real world and experiencing life and realizing that it's more accepting now and it's a lot more okay than it was when Edwin was alive and that and I think it was just more or less to kind of plant the seeds of it's okay to to love him and yeah. to feel this way and when you're ready yeah. the world is gonna be here and it's a lot more accepting than it can was I, during your time. I,
1: I know that we're, we're trying to uh, uh, get through the rest of our characters, but can I just say one last thing that I didn't get to say before about our, our dead detective gang? Yes. I just loved every single time when Charles wa- had the metal baseball bat and people were questioning why he had <laughs> the bat. <laughs> and he was like, it's cause we're in America. It's like, I'm yes. using the bat. I loved that. I just, uh, just, I don't know why. I, I hate baseball. I don't think it's a fun <laughs> game in any way, shape, or form. But I just love that. That was his image of America.
0: Yeah, exactly. I that was hilarious, and the fact that people kept calling him out and he needed to defend it, and that was the only <laughs> defense he had was that he's in America
1: <laughs> and right. it's an
0: American sport.
1: Uh, that's all I wanted to say about that.
0: <laughs> right on, right on. Yeah, no, it's. So, yeah, I just wanted to give that quite a, kind of quick throwback to the dead boy detectives with Larry in, the, in that moment. So, okie dokie. Yeah, let's go on to Vic. So Vic opts to get the surgery to have the cybernetics taken out yeah. and the Big decision for him. synthetic skin. And yeah. he calls Ronnie to let her know that he was doing this. What did you think about that? And then Ronnie's reaction to it.
1: I thought that the doctor who Vic was consulting with first was right for him to consult with someone who he loves with a loved one first before doing this. And I found it interesting that he decided to go to Ronnie because him and Ronnie have this very rocky relationship right now. But for some reason, I think of all the people in Vic's life, including his father, Ronnie is the only person who truly understands what he's going through because she has had the same thing done to her. And he thought that if anybody in the world could understand what he's trying to do, it would be Ronnie. And Ronnie's reaction to it was very Ronnie, I felt. Ronnie's very very she's very I hate, I don't want to use the word spiteful. I feel like there's a better word to use, but I I can't think of it. She's got revenge in her heart. And she wants to use she wants to use to what was given to her against the people who gave it to her, basically. She wants to She wants to fight fire with fire and she's very vengeful. And I think Vic went into this with the impression that maybe Ronnie wanted to change the things that were done to her as well. But Ronnie said to her that, basically said to her that, you know, this is who we are. You know, there's nothing we could do about this. And she talks about how we can't prioritize our happiness anymore. Although I completely understood what Ronnie meant by that. I think the situations are just completely different, you know. Ronnie is, well, like I said, she's focused on revenge. She doesn't care about her own life anymore. She, all she cares about is getting back at the people that took her life from her and made her what she is. And then, what's she gonna do from there? You know, it's like the it's like that old uh, uh you know that old kind of cliche goes that you know if you go back and hurt the people who hurt you, are you really going to be satisfied? Exactly. You know? Yeah. You know, where does Ronnie go from there?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't think she's going to go anywhere. So her, her, her response was a very Ronnie response. I think that's kind of what I would have expected if I was Vic and I were to call Ronnie or I was thinking about calling Ronnie, I would probably expect that kind of response. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I also get why you called her yeah, so I, I guess Myra I'm not I'm not upset or disappointed or anything with the way she responded to it. She could have been a little more respectful about his decision and as far as what he wanted to do. But I think she felt like if he was gonna go through this with, with this, he was gonna regret it because he's now just gonna be like technically everybody else. you mm-hmm. know there's nothing. I think she was conveying that there's nothing about you now that's gonna be special if you do
2: this. Yeah, but
1: Vic is already special
0: right well,
1: that's my opinion on it.
0: and that's the thing with those cyborg this season was what makes what makes Vic special is whats it a, what, what separates
1: Vic from cyborg
0: exactly or is it just the cybernetics so yeah. very at kind of a kind of a rough time for for Vic and ha- trying to deal and digest all of that I think it would have been different had he known that You know, even back in season two, if he had found out that his dad had a choice, but he's just finding this out now and Mm -hmm. he wants to reclaim his life. So he's almost, for lack of a better term, acting out against his dad's decision and being like almost a bit defiant in that this is my life, my body, my choice. I should get to decide what to do. And that is absolutely fair. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I I
1: completely agree with
0: you. I feel like though he maybe it was just the pacing of the season, but it felt like maybe it was a bit, a, a dis- that decision felt a bit rushed for him to reach that conclusion. Maybe I don't want to see, I didn't want to see him give up his cybernetics. You know, not that that's what makes him special, but that's, that's the character I want to see, a cyborg. <laughs>
2: <Fair enough>. no, <laughs> From an I, 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 absolutely
0: I, I, selfish TV watching superficial reason. I want cyborg, but
1: I don't disagree with you at all there either. I feel like but we gotta we gotta keep in mind we're so used to cyborg in mm-hmm. different in different mediums too. We're looking at cyborg from the Justice League, from the TV shows, you know, to the cartoons, you know, to the fucking cereal boxes and the fucking cyborg condoms. I don't know whatever the fuck <laughs> they want to put <laughs> his fucking face on. I don't oh, fucking know. No, it's just
0: talk about meatball cannons. <laughs> No. Ah, anyways, hey,
1: but but anyways, what I'm trying to say is, is that cyborg is a brand. Okay, that's what cyborg is. And if we're going to look at it from as, let's say, a kind of the human side of him. So Vic, you know, Vic doesn't want to be this brand. He, he wasn't, he, he, he wasn't given a choice in the matter so I think the move that he's making or the movie made, I should say to have his cybernetics removed, to have the synthetic skin, you know, to try to lead what he will consider to be a normal life is brave. Mm -hmm. I really think that was a bold, brave and bold move. He made, he defied odds. He, the whole world, even the gang for that matter, know this guy, is cyborg that's and that's all he is to the world except to the one person that he reached out to she may not support his decision but she didn't see him as cyborg she saw him as vic Mm
2: -hmm. which is
1: why he went to her but in the end what it boiled down to was do i continue being this person that the world expects me to be or do i live for myself
0: exactly and do i control
1: my own destiny my own fate And I think he made the more unselfish decision because I think it would have been more selfish for him to give in to what everybody else expects. Absolutely. Because that's what's easy. And And he decided to go the hard route. And this is a
0: journey he needs to take and he needs to take it and then find out whether or not he's satisfied being Vic or if now he's going to make the choice to become Cyborg. I think obviously he'll, uh, I think he'll obviously make the choice to become Cyborg at some point in season did they
1: make any any reference to whether this procedure was reversible
0: i don't recall but
1: i mean because the layout is still within his body
0: Mm -hmm.
1: i think something like that
0: so it's like this this so it's like the skin is just kind of on top of a lot of the mechanics but the cybernetics were taken out so he's not attached to grid and everything okay so okay I'm going to guess that there's going to maybe be some sort of accident where, or something happens, a fight, maybe some of the synth skin burns off and we're back to, well, the only thing that's going to save him are these cybernetics, but it ends up being Vic's choice. Maybe, but that just feels like recycled his storyline. So.
1: That's the but, thing that I'm kind of worried about with this, because depending on how much longer this show goes, I mean, let's be honest, I think Doom Patrol's got maybe two seasons in it. Most.
0: I could see it going up yeah. to season five. I to tell really, good have,
1: I I don't want this show to do what a lot of other shows do, where they once it goes too long, it just becomes, you know, right stale. But I think five seasons of Doom Patrol would be perfect. Mm-hmm. And if we get five seasons of Doom Patrol, I would expect us to see Vic returning to Cyborg by the end of season four making that decision and then cyborg returning by season five exactly so but for right now i completely respect the decision and love the decision that he made because he's not making it to satisfy anyone he's doing it for himself he's controlling just like rita he's controlling his own destiny
0: absolutely but
1: what i do love also at the same time even though he's made this decision and even though the gang is all like what the fuck he is still with the gang. He didn't abandon the gang. He is with them. He wants to help. He still wants to be a hero. He just doesn't want to be cyborg of the hero. Exactly. He be- yep. So but good for you, Vic.
0: Good for you, Vic. We support you. And even though, <laughs> even though Larry faked being happy for ya, you. Oh, know, what a <laughs>
1: dick move on Larry's part, but you well, know what? Larry's just that nice guy yeah it's he's
0: like I never right. said I was happy for you <laughs> and then that's what the <laughs> argument on the but box- he was
1: like he's like looking good Vic <laughs> yeah. and he's like hey thanks man like Vic's he's like, trying, to- appreciate that. trying to be
0: more positive and everything for the <laughs> oh, it's so
1: funny though when he like walks up on the doom matter when he like first gets there and he sees Cliff he's like hey Cliff strutting looking all good he's like
2: what the fuck yeah cliff (laughs) Cliff.
1: Cliff, like makes a backhanded comment to him it was like well you're he's like well now you're even uglier or some shit like that so
0: So speaking of cliff let's go ahead and move on to poor cliff and his parkinson's and just wanting to be a good dad and grandfather but then but because no one put parental restrictions on his computer he orders a bunch of online Perky meds. He got, he, got hooked to too a, many.
1: he got hooked to Percocets, a chipmunk gang, and ginger. Yes,
0: <laughs> not Percocets. He called them, they're Parkinson's. Oh, no, I, saw,
1: I said Percocets. I'm sorry, yeah, Parkinson's. <laughs> I'm so sorry, that's
2: not what I meant.
0: So he clearly does not know how medicines work if he thinks taking half a bottle at one time or at oh, you know geez, each yeah. dosage is gonna, no, that's not. So we find out later that him, overdoing it on the parking meds is what kind of caused these more erratic addictive behaviors with yeah. the uh with ginger the sex talk girl and the gambling because he did the gambling thing and then yeah, yeah. whatever chipmunk game he was super obsessed yeah. with and yeah, then yeah. he sells everyone's shit
1: Dude, and he right? and oh so- my- any and he sold like time like a hangout with like a hangout with Cyborg. Yes. For, like, $25 or something like that. <laughs> he he sold Jane's record collection. And then he sold uh I can't remember the other personality's name but her share workout tapes. And, oh yeah. Uh, was yeah. it was it Flitz? No, it wasn't Flit. It wasn't no, Flit. it
0: wasn't Flit, but Flit came in to <laughs> whisk him away as a punishment, yeah. drop him off oh, at yeah. his daughter's. Oh we had to
1: put him right on Clara's front lawn. Yeah, yep. I remember that. Yeah.
0: And he sold his own blueprints. Yes.
1: So yes he nonetheless, that's... he sold his blueprints to the
0: brain. Yep. What did you think of Cliff's storyline this season?
1: So this is, in my opinion, Cliff's weakest season. Yeah. And, I, and it doesn't mean, and I'm not saying that to take away from his character in this season. He, he did have a good story. His character didn't quite progress, in my opinion. He just kind of was going through some shit this season. I mean, they're all going through shit every season. I mean, that's kind of an understatement. But I don't feel like Cliff had the strongest season this year, but we did see Cliff struggling this season, struggling to fight against his supposed Parkinson's and struggling to, you know, to f- maintain a relationship with his daughter and his, gra- and his grandson and his daughter's wife and trying to earn their trust while at the same time struggling with his addiction that he has developed. So Cliff this season, I felt like probably is more relatable this season than he has in the last two, just because everybody that I know of fights through some sort of addiction in some way. He just has multiple addictions going on at once. But what, I'm, what I was very happy about is that even after getting caught by his daughter, after he's basically back at his own body after the, during the Subconscious patrol episode, and she walks in the garage and sees him, you know, on the uh, chatting with the uh, cam girl and playing the game at the same time. She says this isn't working. He is like, I know. And from there, I think we're kind of supposed to get the impression that all right, Clara and Cliff are no. This isn't this relationship. Just isn't going to happen. But I love the fact that even after all that, there was she still forgave him mm-hmm. because he didn't want to give up. He didn't want to give up on that relationship, even after he had that moment where he was basically caught. I guess mm-hmm. he still fought for his still fought to maintain that relationship with his family, and that was respectable. He loves his grandson. He wants to be part of that life. What did he say? Oh my God, I didn't write it down. And I wanted and I wanted to bring it up. What did he think that LMFAO stands for? Love my
0: fucking. awesome offspring
1: offspring. yeah love my fucking awesome offspring that was good (laughs) like like that was that was a good cliff moment right
0: and i love that he was still using that smashed up laptop and and i'm like dude you need giant granny keyboards or something because (laughs) giant robot fingers come on now but but yeah
1: you, you know and but cliff did uh you know even though i don't think this was cliff's strongest season i still feel like we still got a little more, we, we got a little bit of development out of Cliff on more of a personal, level. Mm-hmm. you know, well, on how we could see he could be uh, you know, when it comes to things like addiction and personal relationships with his family. So mm-hmm. I think that was good to get out and to convey that. But Absolutely. I also love the fact, well, I kind of love and hate this. So I this is going to be, we'll see how this t- turns out in season four, because I don't want to prejudge this too much. But now that Cliff's body is technically destroyed, I guess. Um, and now he's back in the big red robot body from season one. Um, you know, I, I think that's kind of cool for him. And I really feel like that's, that's awesome for his character to be able to feel like he's this bigger-than-life giant. But I don't think that's going to last too long. I think that he's going to get his original body back somehow, some way. It's going to happen maybe within the first few episodes of the next season. Yeah, but just for the moment, just for the moment, I do love just like how he feels like he's been re renewed reborn re whatever mm. into this brand new body and he, he, he seems to really be loving
0: it. I did like the little mon that the little clip of showing cliff as the big red robot going from florida up to back to Doom manor yeah, and it's showing all the, the little pop-up the tweets, up. and it's like oh, of I'm course saying? it's florida of course the giant robots are like, like oh man is i'm fucking high
1: weed. i see big robots
0: <laughs> so just another example of why i love this show and its silliness and not yeah. not ever taking itself too seriously but right i um uh, yeah i liked i i would agree that this this is his, not his strongest season and storyline for Cliff in a way with the, with the medications and kind of reverting him back into more degenerate, uh, habits like before was, it felt like a step back for him.
1: But kind of I like think- what we saw during, uh, during his flagellation though, when we learned that he would just leave Clara in the car while he would go and party with the guys, do exactly. coke, cookers, whatever, trippers, whatever yeah and i do agree but i but the the thing is is that the show was self-aware of that so
0: but i think especially for cliff because he would always have these memories of being a great dad and you know the, the memories of him holding clara are literally like rose colored so he's got this rose colored glasses on when he's remembering being a dad but only, you know, like the sleep, you know, napping together, like parents and babies do because it's snuggly and it's cute and what all the things, Yeah. but now he is absolutely confronted with the worst thing, his most shameful memory. And that was leaving Clara in the car to go party with the guys and get it on with, uh, I assume a sex worker and do all the drugs.
1: And you know what, I love the part in Subconscious Patrol where Brendan Fraser is confronting, Brendan Fraser's Cliff Steele, Cliff Steele is confronting Robot Man,
2: Mm -hmm. you know.
1: I actually, it it was a funny moment, but it was a very serious moment because here's Brendan Fraser's character of Cliff Steele, the human version of him, looking at his robotic version, telling him, you know, we fucked up, you know, we were not good people. You know, I know you don't want to hear this, but we have to, we have to finally admit it to ourselves. And then they have that "fuck you" bicker back and forth, and yeah, it's not uncommon to hear Cliff say "fuck you" a million times. But this was a very emotional "fuck you" that they were <laughs> throwing, because he was saying "fuck you" to yourself, to basically. Oh,
0: absolutely. You
1: know, and he was like, they were like, "fuck you, fuck you, fuck you," and then Cliff, Cliff, the uh, robot Cliff, had the final say in it, and then human Cliff was just like. You know what, man, you're never going to learn. Not those exact words, but basically that's what he was conveying. And then he got, and then uh, the little Dada bird came and took him away. And, you know, I think in reality, there's a lot of people out there who don't want to confront things like
2: that. Oh, like absolutely. You know,
1: whether, whether they're scared or they're in denial or whatever the case might be. But, you know, I think this was a really good, op- even just that episode in general, was it, I know I said pro earlier that that was probably like the one episode that we could have gone without. I kind of now I'm thinking about it, I kind of take that back because it isn't ne- it was necessary to see them confront their demons.
0: See, Undead Patrol is my favorite episode of the season in that it's completely fucking bonkers and it's yeah. a and and still going with that it's kind of a standalone episode yeah. within the season subconscious patrol is my favorite episode pertaining to the overall storyline with everybody. I felt like that episode is really kind of what helped bring the messiness of the season together. And it, we start to see it all coming together. Now we know what the flagellation is. We know what, uh, Laura did to the dadas, you know, we've got a bunch of the answers now, now it's all kind of coming together and now we're building up to the, the final kind of showdown right so right. i loved it it was so fucking weird and kind of sad and everything and we also get and we'll get to to jane too but they're muppets oh my god the Muppets were
2: amazing oh <laughs> underground alley awesome was that?
0: so but yeah real oh. quick with with cliff i
2: yeah yeah
0: again i i would agree not his strongest season storyline wise, it felt like a step back, but it felt, it does, it does, does feel like a necessary step back for him. Right. And I, I hope agree. that Cliff now going forward, you know, he'll, I I'm sure he'll get his robot body. Cause I think Rita secured that from the brain. So yeah, this was necessary for, for Cliff and he can hopefully move forward and to see Clara come back to do manner to be like, you know, I still love you. And, you know, I I still kind of want this to work, but yeah, whatever's going on now is not working.
1: So there's one thing I'm worried about. So on the last episode, I paused the screen just so I could read the board that's there, uh, in the, in Cliff's head about reminding all of them of who they are. I didn't notice anything on the board that indicates that Cliff's the father. So, oh. my thing that I'm worried about is going into the next season is will Cliff suffer amnesia and not remember the fact that he's a dad? Probably. So and that's now, and, the I that is the one thing I'm worried about going into ooh. the next season with his relationship with Clark. Now, that is just again that is a theory. I could that they may just completely overlook that, and because they've come too far on their relationship just for him to fall back. That will be seven.
0: really fucking annoying if that's it's what happens? So hopefully they right. figure something out where that's not gonna be the case. Because if it does, they happen, made a lot of progress in this season.
1: Right. I mean, and, we we we've been seeing the pro- the progression of these two over the last three seasons coming together and building to where they are right now. And to take that away, oh no 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 no! It was last season. Two seasons. Two seasons. When? they when mm-hmm. Well just to take that away, if that did happen, I kind of feel like it would be a smack in the face, not to us as fans, but to the characters.
0: Absolutely,
1: absolutely.
0: No. And no. before we move on from Cliff, I just wanna give one quick uh, shout out to Mel, Clara's wife, for being probably the one of the most understanding partners ever. Your father-in-law is a robot and he, then he comes back as a giant fucking robot and is just sitting <laughs> on your lawn. And she handles it very well. She's like a fucking champ. She's supportive. And at no point do we ever see any kind of like ultimatums or anything. I mean, she has concerns, but she knows that for Clara to build a relationship with her living father is important. And she doesn't wanna deny, it also seems like she doesn't wanna deny Cliff the chance to be a part of Clara and
1: Rory's life. But at the same time, Mel is also very protective of both Clara and especially Rory too.
0: But, and it comes across, but it's not, it's never like aggressive or mean or, you know what I mean? She's, you see the concern on her face. She doesn't have to say it. You see it because you're just like, you know what's going on with Cliff too. So right. I love that the writers, the showrunners gave Clara a very caring, compassionate, understanding partner. We have a same sex relationship, interracial relationship. So that's always just nice to see on screen, even though they're not main characters, the fact that they just are there is
1: it's great. But they were in this season a lot too. Both of them were. And even though Mel didn't have a lot of lines, she got some decent screen time.
0: Absolutely. So, so yeah, they're just, I mean, they're, they're part of Cliff's. Subplot so that yeah, she got exactly. they, they both got a good amount of screen time and everything and, be, and building that relationship, absolutely.
1: Yeah they're, yeah, they're gonna be bad. so. so I kind just of actually, I love that. I'm wondering, come next season, if we're gonna pick up right where we left off, or if it's gonna be at some a little further in the future and maybe Rory's gonna be a little older. There's so much that can happen. I don't know.
0: Well, I mean, they're going, were they going a There's little a- bit in the future or a little bit in the past?
1: In the future, but I felt like it was only a few minutes in the future. But who knows? I could get all fucked up knowing these people. They could end up going like thirty years into the fucking future. Probably.
0: Exactly. Even so, even the Doctor can't land where he aims to nah, land. Nah, so nah,
1: that's for sure. Timey wimey. Speaking of the Doctor, really quick, I wanted to the name drop. The name drop. Yes.
0: The reference. I wanted to bring that
1: up during our Laura DeMille conversation. I just I just thought that was just so nice, and out of everyone to bring it up, it was Jane. So, absolutely
0: and how can you not at this point make you have time travel in the show you have michelle gomez who portrayed the female version of the master how are you not going to make a doctor who reference
1: exactly and, and I, you know the, and was, the writers just knew what they were they they knew what they were doing and i i, I really hope that in, in real life michelle gomez thought it was funny i I'm hope sure she, she I, did i hope she appreciated
0: that well and the fact that it they called her i wasn't Doctor Who versus like some veiled master reference or something or mistress right. or whatever. It was yeah, so right. on the nose that obviously even non Doctor Who fans were gonna and pick she was up on like, it. Just like what
1: the fuck, Doctor Who? Yeah, <laughs> love funny.
0: love that callback. So speaking of Jane and her snappy one-liners, there's a lot going on with J K. The personas dr h is trying to like all of a sudden take charge the secretary goes upstairs for a hot second too mm-hmm. and is in charge of the body to make the reservations at the shitty
1: <laughs> oh, yeah the lodge the yeah. lodge
0: but then also one of the dadas shelly byron the fog has some sort of weird fascination attachment she's drawn yeah. to jane and i never really clearly understood what it was but we'll get to that in a little bit because I don't (laughs) super care but (laughs) it's not as interesting in my opinion to me as the developments with Kay and the personas because Kay goes upstairs she runs the show for a hot second to go get some new shoes to accidentally steal a bike and learn how to ride it and then (laughs) And then the most important part out of all of that was her run-in with a random male stranger and the way Jane reacts. And she's immediately, she goes into protector mode. That's what she does. And she's like, no, no, let me up, let me up. And it ends up being fine. The guy's just like, be more careful. You're doing great. You're just learning. Good for you. No judgment that a grown woman is just learning how to ride a bike, which is appreciated. Nothing gross. I
1: hate to throw it back to Dr. Who, but look at the Jodie Whittaker's first season. Remember with uh with Ryan, Ryan didn't know how to ride a bike.
0: That's right, Dadoy. Yeah. Oh, that it's was the, super you know, cute.
1: The common theme, and we're all over the place now.
0: That's funny. <laughs> so, so I loved that interaction and everything. Yeah, and sure. and I think that just is another moment for Kay to kind of give her that little boost of confidence to take steps to get better or to go want to go upstairs more and be in charge so but what did you think overall on jane k personas and the fogs interesting so this was
1: jane slash k slash persona strongest season in my opinion um this is where we saw the most development with k because now now the show is no longer about jane or the other personalities it is about k and what is best for k but what is best for k also questions what is best for the personalities and now the personalities as we're starting to learn especially doc especially the doctor are trying to figure out what will happen to them if k recovers and i think that is what jane, jane doesn't give a shit about that she just wants what's best for jane for k and i feel like maybe a couple of the other personalities the personalities do too hammerhead for instance but then we have the other personalities that are really trying to keep k in her place the doctor more than anybody Mm -hmm. as we learned throughout the season the doctor is just all about maintaining control keeping k right where she is so them as the personalities can keep her in line basically
0: can still exist
1: exactly and i think the these personalities have become so strong and so independent that they are now starting to fight back against their host. And it's going to be, it it, it was an interesting season to see how that all worked out, especially when Kay was able to ascend and just go up for just like 15 minutes, you know, whatever, however long she was up there. And for the time she was there, yeah, she committed a crime while she was up there, but you know, I'm not going to hold that against her. She doesn't know any better. (laughs) Girl literally doesn't know better. You no,
0: know, nothing lying. worse than Jane herself has done, or probably Hammerhead, or
2: you know any first, one of
0: the other personas that have the caused trauma. First
1: time I saw that episode, when I my first watch through, I seriously thought she was going to get caught and then get arrested, and I was oh. going to think, "Oh, what a terrible, terrible thing to happen to you!" The first time you go up, but I'm glad it didn't happen that way.
0: Yeah, I'm glad nothing traumatic happened uh, during Kay's time yeah in charge so.
1: exactly um so I feel like even though Kay wanted the more in, more independent wanted to feel more independent this season which she absolutely deserved there was also moments where Kay was starting to be resilient towards the other personalities Jane especially mm-hmm. um especially like towards the end of the ser- series where um all the personalities disappeared mm-hmm. and it was just Jane and her down in the underground and uh, Kay just takes the train up all on her own, and I believe that's literally right before subconscious control. Yes, Jane is, you know, is crazy. Well, I was about to say as crazy Jane is Jane is, <laughs> but they call her Crazy Jane, and I didn't mean it that. I didn't mean it to come out that way. But as much as Jane wants what's best for her, she's also very overprotective of her. The other mm-hmm. personalities just want, especially the doctor and uh, Polly and uh, probably even Flit, you know, a lot of them really just are worried about themselves and what's going to happen to them. And I don't think Jane's concerned about that. You know, she might be concerned about what will, she's more concerned of what's going to happen with Kay, but I don't feel like she wants to be shut out from Kay either. Right. You know, she's not that she's concerned about, you know, her disappearing, but she doesn't want to be forgotten. And I think there's some, some fear there in Jane that, you know, once Kay is completely better and she doesn't need them, she's just going to forget all about Jane. And I don't think Jane wants that. Cause I feel like Mm -hmm. Jane thinks that she's an important part of, in Kay's life, which she absolutely is, but nobody wants to be forgotten. I think that's going to be, that's Jane's biggest fear. What happens, you know, to her memory, the memory of Jane once Kay's all better.
0: And I think you are absolutely right in that Jane doesn't want to be forgotten, but I think the whole encounter with her abuela and finding out about the dolls and that Jane, the doll and the probably persona is probably a lot based off of the grandma, you know, cause the grandma's like, I know this one's going to be the strongest one. And I named her Jane. And then, you know, we find out that's a boiler's name and everything. So I think that may come around to help ease Jane a little bit, but in the subconscious patrol episode, Kay tells Jane that you caused me trauma, you caused me pain and I want you to die. So at that point, it's kind of like maybe Dr. H wasn't so far off in that. Dr. Harrison is worried about herself and, you know, the other personas and everything. But I think at one point she even calls out Jane and like, you just want to save yourself too. And Jane's like, no, no, I'm all about the girl. But I think in this moment, we find out that that's not a hundred percent accurate on Jane's part. I think of course, she's going to have some concerns about her own well being. She does understand that they are a construct. They only exist because of the girl. But I do think maybe there's a small part of Jane that being the primary, that she has a better chance of sticking around longer than any of the other
1: personalities. And now what I'm interested in knowing is because of the way that season three ended, will, because Jane and the doc and the doctor, both they made a deal with each other. Mm-hmm. We don't quite know what the deal is, but basically what I think was come down to is the doctor is going to become the primary. And I think we're going to see a lot of her as primary in the next season. I think Jane's going to be more an underground character than uh, than an actual character that's going to be submerged on the surface.
0: See, and I don't think that I, oh. that's a possibility, you know, because Hammerhead even asks, is that something you can even give up? And I don't. Yeah. And think, she said she's
1: nobody's bitch.
0: <laughs> well, because Hammerhead doesn't want to live under the rule of thumb, under Dr. Harrison's rule of thumb, where she's right. bossing everybody around. Cause what did they say? Harrison likes that control.
2: Right.
0: And that's when Hammerhead's like, you better get up there and fix this shit because I don't want to be anyone's bitch because she doesn't want Harrison to be Dr. Harrison to be the primary and then have to do everything Dr. Harrison says, because at least with Jane, it seems like the other personas do have kind of a say in when they can kind of come and go and when they're needed, whereas I don't think Harris, Dr. Harrison's going to now. she could this, she could absolutely end up becoming the primary and that's going to be the big conflict for Jane. But I'm wondering, because we just see the season ends with Jane sitting across from Dr. Harrison, just down in the subway area. So what if the deal was just sessions, which is hilarious to me because Dr. Maybe. Harrison isn't actually really a doctor. Again, she's a construct of what K subconscious thinks psychiatrists are and operate.
1: Right. And, you might be, <laughs> and you could absolutely be right. Again, I mean, everything that I don't know here is just complete fan theory. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, we won't know until, and I mean, the earliest season four is going to come out would probably be this fall. At earliest, earliest. but you know we'll see. I mean, I I I mean honestly, I don't want to see the doctor as the primary because I love Jane as a character. But at the same time, I could see this creating a new conflict for the gang with this new primary. And how are the gang going to deal with Doctor H? You know, and how is Doctor H going to deal with the gang? And is she going to try to part from them? Just I it's so much can happen. That's just, that's, it's just the thing.
0: I know. But I think having Dr. Harrison as any kind of pri as a primary or on the surface for any given amount of time to be the conflict, it's, it's too much like, we already saw Dr. Harrison on the surface. We already saw that, you know, what her powers are and the mind control, you know, when Jane was locked up in that one flashback. Oh, yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that would just feel like recycling a little bit, uh, repurposing. Okay,
1: <laughs> I didn't think about that. But also, you know what? You know what's interesting? You know, because um, now the entire gang, including Jane, now Jane's passed out at the end of the episode. She's just got the fucking post it note on her head saying who she is. But now they're, <laughs> you know, they're That's fucking hilarious. going down into the, uh, they're going down into the fucking uh, uh uh with the time machine. I wonder, do the personalities experience amnesia? Mm. that would be
0: interesting. Because some... then, yeah. okay, okay, because it's K's, it's K. So does K experience? Would K experience okay, the yeah. amnesia? And if so, would she come back then unbroken? Kind of like, kind of like Rita she the the amnesia wiped away all that fear and insecurity could yeah. this time travel even that little bit wipe enough of the trauma from k where maybe now some of the personalities are gone and we're not left with as many
1: Ooh. i That's, mean all the all, I, all the pro, all, all the ones we've gotten to really know yeah. or be there of course but it's a lot of like like like, like the chainsaw none she's probably you know, you know, we still don't know anything about chainsaw.
0: No, but I like that Rita had chainsaw nun written on her list when she was trying to rally the group after oh, yeah, the right yeah,
1: Whiteboard. Yeah, yeah, yep. I remember that. So, so
0: cha- like, out of all the personalities <laughs> that have chainsaw the power, None. she chose chainsaw nun.
2: You know, because be... I mean,
0: Doctor Harrison would have been good too because of the mind control. Sure. So, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see where that where, where we are with Jane, Kay and the personas at the start of season four. But again, why do you think the fog was interested in Jane to begin with? Is it the, the fact that maybe Kay's mind is more powerful than she realizes, because not only did she create 64 personalities in an attempt of self-preservation and, you know, dealing with the, the, the trauma of the abuse and everything. But now the fact that They all have powers as well.
1: Unique powers too. All unique
0: powers. So it wasn't clear to me why the fog was so drawn to Jane. Did you get anything or are you just kind of like, eh, I don't know. All right. I'm going to (laughs) be honest
1: about this. I'm going to give you what my first opinion was. My first opinion of this is. Go for it. But I I no longer feel this way. My first opinion of it is that it was a sexual attraction. I really did. I thought there was some sort of sexual attraction there that she had for Jane, because I feel like the fog probably never really had a chance and opportunity in the life that she was living to really love. But I think maybe she saw something in Jane that she was attracted to, and maybe it's because they both she felt like they both came from the same type of place, maybe not mentally, but just like you know, kind of more of like from from a societal perspective. So maybe she felt like she could relate, and that attracted her to Jane. But I actually don't feel that way anymore. Cause actually I'm even more confused about it than the first time I actually saw this, <laughs> because I think it's no longer about Jane. I think it is about Kay. And Jane is just the mouthpiece that mm-hmm. she was using to, to, to have this conversation with. And I think your theory of what, what you just said, how Jane or Kay is able to basically she 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 constructed the six these 64 personalities who all have their own unique abilities. This is something that I think the sisterhood could have possibly used to their advantage if they could have swayed K mm-hmm. by using you swayed K by using Jane essentially to join the sisterhood and join their fight. But Jane is more self-aware and more powerful. It is just she doesn't fall for shit like that. Mm-hmm. So, but at the same time, the conversations that they were having weren't really. Given that off, either it was very confusing to see these two on screen together because I don't know honestly what she saw in Jane. I thought it was one thing, then I changed my mind, then I was thinking maybe it's another. I changed my mind, so I don't know. I really don't know. Maybe it just has something to do with the fact that maybe she just thought that they came from the same kind of place and they could relate.
0: Sure,
1: so yeah, that's the best answer I could give without giving you a straight answer. So, (laughs) what about you?
0: I I have no clue. I think, I do think there is a part of, uh, the fog Shelly that fancies Jane a bit, but again, is, I don't think that's just purely a physical attraction. There's something else that Shelly is drawn to in Jane. And from there, maybe a bit of a, a crush is developing. I, I really don't know. I, I didn't get any, I didn't, I didn't get anything new off the second watching of do you it. Think,
1: do you think that we're going to see at the very least, do you think we're going to see Shelly return in season four?
0: I think so.
1: I think so you know too. What? I don't like know about to. the other. I don't know about the other Dada. We might, but if any of them, I think Shelly will return. I have a feeling if there's going to be any development between her and Jane, it's going to happen in the next season. It might be a little more clear. Mm-hmm but we'll, we'll, yeah, there's just something we'll have to wait and see.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know what? Jane didn't seem too upset about possibly seeing Shane, uh, no, Shelly the fog in anytime That again, last so.
1: interaction they had in the manor when Shelly was basically saying goodbye to her. I can't remember exactly what she used, what she said, uh, but it left Jane with a smile on her face.
0: Yeah. She and... said something like, maybe we'll see. It was just something maybe. like, yeah, maybe we'll see each other again. Our paths will cross. Blah, blah, blah.
1: Yeah. It, it, it's something I think that is gonna need more explanation and you're gonna need more episodes to let us know what's going on.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Let's wrap this up with The Brotherhood of Evil, featuring the brain and Mala, and also kind of Rita Rita's the the climax for yeah, Rita's sure. arc because yeah. how can we not mention Big Big Bendy? Big Big Bendy! Big Big Bendy. So she so the brother <laughs> Why is it, I have yet to see anything where the Brotherhood of Evil is actually any kind of like terrifying
2: <laughs> force to be
0: reckoned with. Why, and again, maybe it's just because I'm watching the kids' shows and shit, but yeah. why are they Why are they portrayed as such a fucking joke?
1: I don't know, man. I don't is know. Is that just I
0: mean... me or have you seen stuff where they're more menacing?
1: All right, so I'll be very straightforward here. I may be a comic book guy, but I do not know anything about the Brotherhood of I know nothing. Zilch, nada. My experience with the Brotherhood of Evil began with Doom Patrol Season (laughs) 3. So this is the only impression I have of them. I have a brain in a a garbage can that talks and (laughs) and just rolls around and a cigarette smoking beret wearing gorilla. Okay, so this is all I've got to go off of here.
0: All right, Uh, real quick, I do want to say that according to IMDb, uh, the actor that is the body actor of robot man is the voice of the brain. Oh, get the
1: fuck out of here. Really?
0: No, I will not get the fuck out of here. Out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and okay. he shares a birthday with Brendan Frazier. Oh,
1: that's too funny. Come
0: on. So I want to get the actor's name that? up quick before we move on. Sure. Cause it's like right there, Riley Shanahan.
1: Riley Shanahan. Well, you are fucking awesome, dude. Yeah. You know, so. you, you know, I mean, he was a great voice actor for the brain because the brain was funny. The brain and was.
0: And that's was the thing funny, is every time right? I've seen the brain. Yeah. He's kind of funny and the voice works. It matches what I know of the brain and the brotherhood of evil again, kind of being more of a joke and not such
1: a. It sounds like, you know, them from somewhere else. Teen Titans go. All right. Oh, they're on <laughs> Teen Titans. Okay. I didn't know that. Not Teen, know Titans. That. Teen, Teen Titans. Teen Titans go. go. The cartoon on cartoon difference. network.
0: Well, they're both cartoons, but Go is just, it's, it's just too silly. There's no storyline. There's no overall plot. They're like, kind of more of shenanigans. Like kids in,
1: that, in that show, right? Sort of. They're like kids, teenagers, and Teen well, they're,
0: Go? they're teens.
1: They're yeah. still teens.
0: They're just shorter. They're just drawn more cartoonish more and
1: okay.
0: more geared more towards a younger audience okay. than it's Teen a, Titans was. It's a lot more lighthearted. It's so fucking lighthearted. They make fun of Robin for having baby hands. Cyborg throws, shoots meatballs out of his hand cannon. They come up with all sorts of silly songs and it's just, it's, it's total fluff. It's yeah, there's, there's no, you can sit down and watch one random episode and you're not missing shit.
1: Okay. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, I thought they were, I mean, for what they were, I thought they were kind of funny. Um, and like you're right I got this uh, impression that they thought they were more evil than they actually were they were trying really hard to like compete with like, like, like the likes of Lex Luthor or <laughs> all the other true evil people out in the, uh, uh, in the DC universe but like I loved I loved loved Malaw I thought Malaw was fucking hilarious because I always love I, I don't give a fuck I love a, I love a monkey in a beret and I love a <laughs> monkey that smokes okay i love it i know that monkey's getting cancer but i fucking love it i can't i can't help but laugh <laughs> when i see a monkey smoking a cigarette and and, and oh, uh, you know i and he was uh you know he, he was just a clever character the way that you know his mannerisms how he was just like he was so over the fucking brain but at the same time he just kind of felt trapped the brain was always so eager to complete their plans but really didn't didn't really seem like he gave a shit if it actually did get it if the plans actually fell through or or went you know went through or not and i love that in the end they ended up living in this like retirement community out in florida which was which which i thought was great
0: and malah was very upset that madame rouge came back because he's like we had a (laughs) good life we were retired (laughs) we were fine and he so he basically then just left
1: yeah Oh, you're talking about with the letter that he left for that he left for the brain, right?
0: That yeah, you leave yeah, the,
1: yeah, yeah. Okay. And he's yeah. like,
0: and then the brain's like, and the Alanis Morissette CD. I thought we lost. <laughs> it's like it was like they
1: totally broke up. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. That was good. Um, but I mean, overall, though, I guess I don't have too much of an opinion on Brotherhood. I, I mean, Fair. I thought that was absolutely fucking wicked, though the way that uh, uh Rita poured the boiling water onto the, the brain mm-hmm. the brain's brain i thought that was absolutely insane
0: yeah
1: I, I even the second i watched it i was just like and, and i'm bald i'm just
0: like
2: oh, <laughs> oh. you know
0: yeah um, that was that was fucking ruthless and again that's kind of our our moment where rita dips her toes into villainy but yeah i i i also don't blame her per se because they they're the ones that sent laura into the future although laura's not the one either way right yeah the brain and that's the thing though is like it's just a brain he's just a brain how is he so stupid how does nothing work out for just a brain
1: right right so but you know i thought it was really clever though how they how madame rouge was able to uh kidnap cliff's body oh during the fight scene in the matter when she's baby madame rouge by the yes. way oh, that oh that that was a great scene by the
0: that's way. another just another classic doom patrol moment of like what the fuck is this bonkers shit and why do i love it so much
1: yeah it was a little cl- oh, guy that was such a clever fight scene she's swinging off the fucking ceiling fans and like running under the tables and swinging off everyone oh what a great
0: and, a and great slowly scene. getting bigger and bigger
1: you throughout know, the entire thing throughout yeah, yeah. the
0: whole fight so i mean that it's like cool. super cgi and that's fine it's a tv show it's not a movie so i don't expect flawless no
2: su- no the cgi uh, in this
1: show for the most part is just absolutely so like 20 years 10 15 20 years ago so, and, and especially okay. that
0: scene because it's so yeah. there's a lot going on we're getting you know it's a superimposed face michelle's face on this you know baby cgi so it's kind of fucked up looking it, yeah. it was perfect and fantastic and so much fun again but i think that's part of the charm of the show, show
1: though yes. I do feel like that's part of the show's charm is it's yeah i'm sure the show does have a huge budget but it's not a big enough budget to go with the top-notch cgi that we see in like marvel movies you yeah. know and, but i think it works for doom patrol
0: it does you know? it really you know? does because again like when you're adapting comic books into something live action do you do you go dark and gritty and too, too serious? Or do you keep it fun and more true to what the atmosphere of a comic is and that these ridiculous yeah. things happen? There's silly one-liners, you know, whatever it may be like, you know, the suicide squad <laughs> did it really well. <laughs> yeah. He's looking at me like, yes, I know you love that movie. You've watched it 500 times. You text me every time you do this week, just this week. <laughs> That's right anyways so yeah i agree i think the this the special effects budget or what the route they choose to they chose to go with it works and i have zero complaints i i love right. it now at the end you know we've got cliff stuck in the giant red robot body yeah. he's not able to stop it now and then i think because i think that's part of his parkinson's issue or something yeah. he's lost right. control he can't, he
1: can't control it
0: then Jane jumps in, flits in to try and slow him down and everything, but he's headed towards town and oh my God, they got to stop him.
1: Pulls the self-destruct switch and they're about to
0: die. <laughs> that whole exchange between those two was hilarious too, because she's just screaming like that would have been good information to have. <laughs> and so we see again, Rita having her hero moment. She turns in, she goes full Ant-Man and bigifies herself and is able to stop Cliff. And the way Cliff just says, I want to go home. I don't know why that was so heartbreaking, but it was,
1: but he was scared. Yes. He was just so scared. I mean, we don't get to see many moments at all on the show where Cliff shows any type of fear, you Mm -hmm. know? He definitely is like, you know, we, we see him plenty of times throughout the show where he's just like, oh, I don't know about this. But he never really seems scared. It right. seems like he is literally scared of what's happening to him. Mm-hmm. And as much as he already has accepted the fact, like when he, when, when Madame Rouge was originally good, she thought she was controlling the machine at first, or the robot. And she threatens to basically bash the brain in with a giant wrench. He was like, what are you gonna do? Kill me. I'm already dying. Go for it. Mm -hmm. You know, I think at that, that was more of a more of him just being trying to more be like more badass Cliff, saying, I could, you know, I'm not afraid of you. Mm -hmm. But in the end, I think Cliff does, despite the fact that, you know, all that's left of him is his mind, he doesn't want to he doesn't want to lose that. Right. It's all he's got left. It's all that's left of him. I mean, I don't think he wants to die. And I I think he's afraid of dying.
0: And especially now because he really truly wants to try and do better for clara and 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 rory and maybe for the group too but those two are going to be his main priority that those are going to be his main motivators to want to live and not od on parky meds and (laughs) develop bad habits so no i think you're absolutely right i think he was at that, especially with the self-destruct button being hit and not no, that's a whole lot of what the fuck is going to happen in a very short amount of time
2: right. and
0: yeah i i agree i think i think he was truly truly scared poor cliffy yeah, poor cliffy poor cliffy so bendy bendy bigifies saves the day and now they're heroes cloverton's like woohoo this band of randos saved us i guess even though it's <laughs> their fault, always. will always
1: be prejudice against them
0: <laughs> I just feel like that um fuck Where was I going with this oh and so yeah so again I think because when uh when Rita killed or poured the water on the brain he had already mentioned something about how he had Cliff's uh blueprints so that's why, so uh, Rita was kind of playing off like, oh yeah, oh, sure. I'll join you because she, I sure. think she knew that she knew she wanted to put an end to the brain and that just all kind of, I think helps solidify that. Yep. I'm going right, to finish right. him and then take the the blueprint. So I'm sure cliff will get back in his normal sized robot body at some point, but now they've saved the day. They've got Laura at the mansion. They're all sort of kind of celebrating their win. And they decide to go ahead and accept Laura. Rita says this, I guess it's the best way to keep an eye on you, but I don't think you have changed completely. She doesn't trust her yet. So that's where we end the group is, we've got a new member, Madame Rouge, so far. And they decide to take the Cliff's giant robot body and the time machine and tunnel to stop the giant (laughs) nutsack. Floating in the ocean or whatever.
2: Yeah, that's, and that's Doom season. for you a And that is
0: in a nutsack. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What are some of your stray bubbles that you've got floating around that you'd like to pop?
1: I like the stray bubble idea. Thanks. I think it's really nice. Goes
0: with the theme not, of
1: the title. I like it. Well, it's not a whole lot, to be honest with you. Um, just going back to Subconscious Patrol, The uh, we didn't really talk about... Um, larry's uh interaction with himself oh we didn't yeah and um those were very important moments for this episode i think because for larry you know we larry's transported back to the day his wedding day just watching how him alone in that room not accepting i don't know if accepting is the word i want to use but just kind of giving in at that moment to what is expected of him from his family, from society and everyone else. And just the interactions that he had with his mother mm-hmm. were very powerful. This was, these were very powerful moments for this episode because this is where we actually see Larry Trainer, where, where we see Larry Trainer learn to not love himself um, and just completely forego who he really is. And I, I, I found it to be a really sad, it was mm-hmm. just a really sad moment for Larry. And Larry has so many sad moments throughout this entire series. It's, but now we see where it all, where the starting point of this was. and It was on his wedding day. And just seeing how his mom, God, his fucking mom, the, the worst kind of fucking person you can fucking think of. The only thing that would make her worse is if she would fucking kill him just because he was gay. But other than that, you know, just her saying that they're God-fearing people and this is this is what's best, and the Lord will help you guide you will guide you to a, a straight marriage or whatever the fuck she said. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being someone who is afraid to come to terms with who they are sexually, that they're just willing to give in to what their family and society expects of them just to satisfy everyone else but yourself
0: I can't I personally cannot but the unfortunate thing is that there are a lot of people that can relate to that and I know it's it's it is and that one was yeah again Larry has a lot of like heartbreaking moments and that was just another one but again, the purpose of the flagellation and everything coming to terms with our greatest shame or greatest, biggest embarrassment, whatever. I'm glad that they made it that moment versus any other moment they could have picked and created for Larry's life.
2: Yeah.
0: I'm glad that it it was, it was hard. It was heartbreaking, but I, I I'm overall happy with how it played out. The actors in the scene, the actor that played his mom, it's anyone that just kind of evoke any kind of strong emotional reaction from you positive or negative has done their fucking job well and yeah. she absolutely did yeah, so absolutely. it was a total important scene and i'm really glad that they put that in there not just for the representation but to further Lord larry's acceptance of himself and learning yes. to love himself
1: yes exactly exactly
0: Subconscious Patrol was, in my opinion, a big, big, big episode for this season. And we didn't get to Vic's flagellation either. Right. And Vic's
1: flagellation was pretty strong too.
0: So that one definitely speaks a lot to the, even now, I mean, we see it play out in the memory, you know, it's obviously like the nineties or something and. Young Vic is looking for a black superhero toy and the way that the store responds and the way his father responds. And then even after they come out of the flagellation, Silas is like, I don't know what that was and I don't want to talk about it, but he kind of alludes that it's probably has something to do with you guys. (laughs) Yeah, right. And kind of the confession that comes from that. And then at one point, Vic is like, you turned me into one of those security guards. And that for some reason that hit, hard for me both times. I'm, I'm not entirely sure why, but it's like, I guess maybe in this father's attempt to save and protect and what he thinks offer his son a better life. He's put so much burden on, on cyborg on Vic in doing so and causing more hurt yeah. and that betrayal Vic felt in that moment. And I really liked that they did address them being, you know, obviously being black in America and the shit that they see and the shit that they have to worry about and the shit that they encounter, because that is so true to life, unfortunately. And the way they worked that in to kind of Silas's reasoning for his, the, for deciding to use the cybernetics on Vic. Yeah. And then Vic's anger and resentment towards that. So it'll yeah, be kind It'll be interesting to see where that kind of goes between Vic and his dad and whatever choice Vic makes in the future to become Cyborg, (laughs) because
1: it's got to happen. Yeah, And, you know, Vic's childhood was basically robbed from him because that moment after the store,
2: he went from
1: a 10-year-old boy to a soldier. So he's never known what it's like to actually be a kid. And it's just like, that's like the saddest thing i think mm-hmm. that can happen to anyone it's when they have their childhood robbed from them absolutely and you know and Vix vix not the only person in the show that's happened to it. it happened to Kay. yep you know oh um, yeah so you know vix was emotional for the fact that you know we got to learn that he's never gotten just to be a normal kid he never got to grow up in any type of normal life he's just he was always the product of his father
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know and whatever yeah. his father wanted it and it ended up needing him to be yeah. and I'm sure and I'm sure his dad loves him his dad does love him absolutely just in a, his own weird way but I think his father definitely sees him more as a subject than he does as a son and I don't know if that's harsh but I really feel like in the end that is the case he loves him but I think even I I think that if his father was given the choice and if he could do things differently, I don't think he would. I think he would make the same decision again, to turn Vic into cyborg as opposed to giving him a a second chance at a real
0: life. Yeah. I think so too. I think Silas, there's just too much scientist in Silas. At least he's not mad scientist, but I think Uh, there is, I mean,
1: (laughs) a little bit, a little bit. He's got just
0: a touch of it, but the thing that keeps him from maybe going full mad scientist is Vic, because it felt like at the start of this season, it felt like their relationship was really going to be kind of on the mend. They were going to have something close and, and maybe positive, not so rocky back and forth. So it felt like this discovery of, oh, it was a choice that Silas made. I guess in some ways there's some things about this season that felt like it took a step or two back. Does that make sense? It felt like sure. this rift with Vic and Silas, again, a, a step back. This goes all the way back to season one. Almost, yeah. Yeah. Really the ones that seemed to propel forward for me were Rita, Jane, and Larry.
1: Right. Right. Well, those three did have, I mean, the, their, their, uh, their, their character developments in this season, especially for Rita, I mean, just completely leap forward above all else in this series. But I really hope, though, that come next season, we're going to see a lot of resolution between Vic and his father and so. with his clip with his family and just everything that's going on with him and his because uh, it seems like now that they, they're probably going to get the Parkinson's under control. I, think. I, I can't imagine they're going to be they're going to drag that out too much long.
0: like get some legit meds and make sure he stays
1: right, on schedule me-
0: with them and put parental controls on his computer. Anybody? Because,
1: thank you. Right. <laughs> Vic had one job to do at that moment. He could have done it. He could have. He could have done that without even log- touching the computer.
0: Oh my God! I know. And he's like, "No, don't click on pop-ups." First rule well, of the internet. I'm like, like, Vic, he, fix it.
1: It <laughs> could have been like grid child lock on the computer on this computer, and it, and it would have been done. Exactly. Just saying. Just
2: saying.
1: So, going forward, season four, and maybe even beyond. What would you like to see? From our gang of misfits and their shenanigans.
0: Well, it seems like now they're all finally on the same page about trying to be a team. You know, Rita's like, we're a team, we're a super team. And Vic's like, you finally come to this realization when I've got nothing,
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's which was
0: super cute, but that's not stopping him. And that's not stopping the gangs to go stop the giant floating nut sacks. Yeah. So it's. It'll be nice to see them come together a little bit more. I don't expect a full harmonizing, cohesive group. There's still going to be issues. They're still going to have their own shit going on. What was it? Rita makes some comment about like every single time they're about to go on a mission, Carla or Clara shows up and Jane gets lost in her head. And we have literally seen that, Yeah, (laughs) which is true. pretty spot on. So
2: hopefully-
0: hopefully not so much of that. And I would like to see Cliff make some really good headway with Clara and keep that on a positive track. Okay. I think Vic and Silas are still going to have a bit of a rift even once Vic decides to go back to Cyborg, because I think he's still going to be very resentful towards his dad. Yeah. And with Jane, it's hard to say with Jane, because we're not just talking about Jane, we're talking about k and 63 other people personas yeah and we've only seen a handful of them and i really would like a shot sometime of all 64 personalities standing around whether it was in the field like i was really disappointed we didn't get more personalities pushing the plane
1: yeah that's true
0: so um Rita, I'd like to see Rita just kind of maintain her strength and her leadership and really stepping into that leadership role that Niles knew that she was going to, because he was there in the past, knowing that Rita was there too. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And for Larry, oh yeah. Real quick side note when Larry and Keeg did merge and then came out the front door and they're like, we got to go stop cliff in the big robot suit. And Larry flies off and then shorts out and crashes. And then the music <laughs> is a very triumphant, like trumpet sound. Like
2: yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: Cracked me up.
1: That was good. So
0: it'll be nice. I really want to see more of we statements from, from Larry and Keeg sure. next season and really sure. working towards that. And hopefully now a bit more over their past shit, because we've really gotten like three seasons of them dealing with their past shit. Right, which it's fine and it makes sense storyline wise because now they're dealing with the loss of, of of Niles and reconciling all of that yeah so it'll be nice to see that maybe their problems moving forward are going to be be brand new ones and not necessarily pertaining to their past or some wibbly wobbly past yeah I I really hope Lord DeMille Madame Rouge uh does not take a turn to the baddie side
1: do you think cause... that michelle gomez is going to stick around for a whole nother season
0: i don't know but i really want her to yeah i,
1: I mean really i don't know what other projects she's got going on right now but that would be great if she could because she's a she fits into this show like a glove i mean it is, it's like perfect for her
0: mm-hmm.
1: so
2: i don't know
0: what about you do you have any i know we've done theories on certain characters but anything specific you would like to see or not well see?
1: honestly almost everything you just said is probably what i'd like to see from our characters as well so i don't really have much more to add to that however things i would like to see are things that we did not get this season i would like for us to get the danny gang back
0: Mm -hmm. the day at least
1: for an episode one episode with the danny gang you know i want morally corrupt i want my fucking flex
0: (laughs) with great flex comes great responsibility
1: (laughs) I, I want Danny and all of their fucking just Danny charmed
2: yes. just everywhere you
1: look, you know, because Danny can manipulate the world around them. I want dead boy detectives. Oh, I would I would not mind seeing the DVD come back because I feel like we do. Should, we should get a little more time with them. Yes. They were good. As, and also, I wanted to know what is Edwin's story? We know how Charles died. How did Edwin die? Because we saw Edwin running down that hallway right before it, when he was about to pull the lever on the tree and he was all bloody, but we don't get an explanation of what happened. Right. So I want to, I want to know what the hell was going on there. But yeah, man, I mean, I guess that's what I would want from uh, season four. I don't know what I would expect. Story-wise story-wise I'll just leave that to the writers because for the most part, they do a pretty good job.
0: And we can't come up with anything as bonkers as they're going to, come up and with you know or pull even from
1: for the a comics. season like we just had i mean i know i mean i actually feel like for the most part you and i went into the episode talking about how this was not really our favorite season wasn't the strongest season but i feel like we actually had more positive things to say about this season than negative that shows how well this show is written though even on a show on a season that we think is you know a little a little subpar in comparison to the previous ones there is still a lot of good story here and, well, it's, and more- it's not
0: that it's like a bad season right exactly but i felt like again you know we have a large cast of characters that's got their own backstories that we need to dip into so it, it you're all it's always going to be a little messy In terms of, especially for a podcast to try and talk about all these characters that we all love, that we love every single one of them.
1: Especially when you're creating a story, a a season that has so many subplots going on. It's Mm -hmm. hard to keep up with, you know, and there were a lot of subplots this season in comparison to last. And all, all the flashbacks did make it a little difficult to kind of. Try to keep up with when trying to take notes because I'm constantly putting in mind. Anyone who knows has ever heard me talk about my note taking notes, I'm terrible at writing down notes. I write down almost every fucking thing in detail I see on screen, but I'm constantly looking like in my notebook, I'm putting, okay, 1949, 1917, what's happening here? What's happening here? Now we're jumping back, now we're jumping forward. Exactly. Not in heads, back and forth, back and forth. That's exactly what's going on. Ping pong, but ping ponging. That's exactly what I was doing. But in the end, despite how sometimes how messy this season could have been was a little bit in the middle. Mm-hmm. It really came together
2: in the end.
0: I completely you know? agree. I think after talking about it, while it's still possibly my least favorite, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to be true after this because I, I just, I don't know because you're season right. Season One will always
1: be my favorite. Absolutely. Season one was like the perfect season.
0: And, and season show. two, I think could have been really great. But we didn't get that satisfying finale to it. And again, uh, as part of it,
1: what season two had ended the same way that season three began had we not been in a COVID world?
0: Right. We'll never know. We'll never know. And while, so yeah, so when we started this, and not my favorite season, but you know what? While messy, there was still a lot that I liked. Yeah. And, I think it feels messy for that first half of the, of the season. Really, I think until the flagellation until subconscious patrol where everything kind of comes, we now know what the Dada's plan is. We now will know what the fucking, what the fuck the flagellation is, but I think it worked really well bringing it all together because after that, on this rewatch, I was really excited to kind of get to the end to be like, okay, how does this all fit together now i'm really really paying attention i'm not just confused anymore (laughs) i i kind of get it again now absolutely no i I
1: agree with you i completely agree so yeah again um i did have a lot of fun with this season like i did with the previous two seasons
2: Mm -hmm.
1: you know you always notice different things the second time around when you watch something it was just kind of weird that the second time around i didn't formulate a different opinion about the sisterhood of dada so I'm also kind of hoping a little bit, maybe, like we mentioned earlier, maybe the sisterhood will come back. But I have a feeling that it's not going to be the full sisterhood. If anyone's going to come back, it's going to be the fog. And I believe that the fog comes back. We're going to see the fog interact with Jane more Mm -hmm. um, and see how that relationship develops, see where that actually is meant to go, if it's going anywhere. Uh, But who knows? We could see Lloyd again. You know, We could uh, uh, see, hopefully, maybe some sort of weird return of malcolm i mean with the time now that time travel seems to be a part of this show it's possible but who knows who knows where the future will take us i guess we'll find out who
0: rules rita can't go back and interfere with her own timeline
1: wibbly wobbly
0: And on that note, we will say goodbye. Um, Thank you, Eric, for joining me today and having this conversation. Always love talking with you about our programs for very, very long periods of time. I apologize to listeners, but they know what they're getting into at this point when they see with Eric. So, (laughs) (laughs) so thank you again. We will be back with doom patrol season four, probably in about a year or so, I would assume. But until then, listeners, um, thank you for tuning in and keep streaming. Bye. Bye. If you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to let me know by rating and reviewing wherever you get your podcast fix. Follow me on Twitter at Streaming Bubble. Find me on Facebook and Instagram as MyStreamingBubble. Have thoughts, suggestions, questions, or want to be tolerated? Email me at MyStreamingBubble at gmail.com. If you want to show your love and support for this little old podcast in monetary form, search My Streaming Bubble over at buymeacoffee.com and buy me a cheese wedge. And if you want to take that love and support to the next level, head over to Redbubble where you can find and purchase My Streaming Bubble merch. All monetary support goes right back into this podcast from new recording equipment to night cheese. Thanks for your support and keep streaming.